Welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. I'm Jay Late Night Larson. And I'm Lyndon Chalky Cabellion. In each episode, we will be talking to different surfers and surf shops to learn more about them and their passion for surfing. We will be diving deep into their experiences as well as their involvement and contributions to their local communities. Be sure to check out our website and Instagram feed for updates on future shows. Thank you for your support and we look forward to sharing these great stories with you. Getting a new vehicle can be stressful, but not at Lake Elsinore Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram. That's where surfers go inland to purchase their new and used vehicles. Otis Mineral Glass Eyewear. Born on the rugged, surf-rich coast of Western Australia, they create sunglasses that look good, last the distance, and complement an eclectic lifestyle. Mineral Glass Lenses, environmentally friendly, scratch resistant, with perfect clarity. Otis Eco Acetate is made from resources widely found in nature like cotton seeds and plant matter using natural non-fossil fuel binders. That means the acetate part of our frames is non-toxic, recyclable, and certified biodegradable. Otis Glasses is beautiful. Late Night with Chalky is supported by Inherent Bummer. Surf entertainment, thoughtful writing, surf videos, music, and fresh hell for the core surf community. Remember, it's not the end of the world. Subscribe and check it all out at inherentbummer.com. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Neon Wave. Neon Wave is an internationally local shop, a concierge to the modern nomad. They bring together carefully chosen surf, fashion, art, and snowboarding gear with a curatorial eye that's drawn to the best of the best, technicality, creativity, and sustainability. Their team is born from nature, raised by the wave, and nurtured by the culture they support. This is Neon Wave. We look forward to moving forward. Check them out at thisisneonwave.com. Surfa CBD, grown by surfers for surfers to help you maintenance your body after a lifetime of surfing. Follow us on Instagram at Surfa, S-E-R-F-A-C-B-D. Enter Late Night with Chalky at checkout for 20% off. SurfaCBD.com. WaveKey is the world's most comprehensive land-based sensory surf discipline. The brainchild of former number one surfer Brad Gerlach, WaveKey's martial art-like focus on slow, precise, land-based movements embed powerful surfing patterns and fundamental technique for surfers of all levels. WaveKey is a land-based program allowing you to achieve a heightened focus on the movements as you practice. The effects of this are amplified when the practice begins to subliminally emerge in your surfing. It takes time for this to happen, but when it does, your surfing improves dramatically. Brad Gerlach is front and center in all aspects of the unique WaveKey course, presenting recorded videos, live session videos, Q's and A's, and insightful expert notes. Nuggets of gold that you simply won't find anywhere else. WaveKey for the love of surfing. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. We're in beautiful Laguna, overlooking the ocean right now, and we're with a damn good looking dude, born and raised here. Hans is so hot right now. Yeah, he had a successful (laughs) pro surfing career and modeling career. He's so hot. Traveled the world doing contests, free surf trips, writing articles, producing movies, 
photo trips, you name it, for all the surf magazines. Not just a pretty face. He loves surf culture and the deep roots in the surfing community and has made it his life mission to give back to others. In 2012, he took the executive directing role at Malu Foundation. Maliola. Maliola, sorry. I butchered that. I always butchered something. Yeah, Kalaz going to come. He's going to correct you. Yeah. Correct. And that helps people with cystic fibrosis through surfing, which we'll, we'll learn about. And he's an event planner and fundraiser for breast cancer, helping produce a North Shore benefit concert, does programming and all kinds of stuff. So we're super excited that he's here. He's one amazing human. And we could all learn something from him. Yes. And we're going to. We welcome Hans. Haas. Haas. Hagen. Thank you, bro. Wow. Yeah. Before we get into the show. You got a lot going on. Good job on the intro, bro. That was a lot of uh, work there. He has a lot to digest. I didn't want to go on for a half hour. but Dude. Not just a pretty face, dude. Look at all the accolades, yes. all the accomplishments, all the milestones, dude. That's fucking rad. Pretty much. But um, before we get into the story, we're here in this beautiful place in Laguna Beach, a little slice of heaven. We're overlooking, what's this spot? Thalia Street. Thalia Street. And there's a little bit of a wave. We saw Slide Dog get a couple. Um, but wow, what a... Beautiful. This is the most serene spot I think we've ever done a podcast. I I think so. I really like the you know the lighting in here. You know, <laughs> it's got floor to ceiling windows and uh, dude, it's a mid century modern yeah. marvel. Yeah. No, but but thanks for inviting us in yeah. here. You know, your home. Yeah, it's great to have you guys here. You know, and uh, yeah, yeah, welcome. We've lived here for uh, twenty plus years, raising our kids and. Uh, Building our life, surfing this wave out front, surfing Brook Street's right over there. Um, when it's flat, we're paddling. If it's flat, we're riding mountain bikes on the hills. Uh, we got a great, yeah, great balance of life here. Yeah. We just feel blessed, man. We've got a good, good surfing community too. Yeah, yeah, definitely, huge surfing community. So let's start at the beginning. Where, where, uh, where was you born? Yeah, well, I was actually I was born here. No, I was born in uh, South Coast Medical Center. Dang. In Laguna Beach, California, same place my son was born. Awesome. Uh, my parents were living in Hawaii, uh, both school teachers in Waianae. Uh, right Ooh. before they had me, they lived over on the west side and had roots with, with Buffalo Kealana. And, uh, wow. you know, my dad was a surfer. Lived. Uh, he was from El Monte, California, which is on the hillside of L.A., kind of near Pasadena. Yeah. And kind of <clears throat> was part of that whole early... 60s late 50s surfing movement you know and uh and met my mom who went to actually was raised in doheny campground moved from chicago and uh then moved her you know met my dad who was a surfer and uh she graduated from san clemente high school so a lot of uh a lot of roots in early california early orange county surfing um and got me into it. I started surfing when I was eight. He was a school teacher, had a surf school, used to take all the crew, pretty much my entire generation of surfers from this town who learned to surf and stuck with surfing, learned from my dad. No way. So we'd go down to San Onofre, you know, be around the Paskowitz and all that early scene in the, you know, early 70s, late 70s. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. 
Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. And that's how I started surfing. That's amazing. Your dad was a teacher, lived on the west side of Oahu, and then moved back and then had you. And he had a surf school? He had a surf school. Dave, right. Dave Hagen surf school in the 70s. We was piloting a VW van and yeah. Where, where was it? Like here in Laguna? Yeah, we, he'd base out of here and um, he was a district counselor here in Laguna. So he, you know, taught a lot of the troubled kids. So it just so happened to be a lot of the troubled kids were surfers. <laughs> so he did a lot of retreats with surfers and, and you know, kind of kept them on the track. Uh, huh. Which is funny now that I've kind of gotten into that. I'm like, yeah, yeah. you're going to end up like your, I'm like, I'll never end up like my dad. And then I look back and we I'm always like, do. I'm right? like, oh my God, I'm actually kind of. I find it like yeah another guest whose parents or grew up in inland yeah. you know and became infatuated and became like infused in the surf culture like yeah. El Monte we've had so many guests that are yeah. not born and raised in the surf Ed's dad right Ed's dad was from I mean whether it's Ed or, or Gomez or or yeah. uh, McKnight or you know or yeah, Jeff Booth's I mean, mom was I mean there's one a list. Of my first dad's like surf mates like they because they pool gas money or do whatever yeah like and they're commuting out of pasadena El Monte, and and it's just so crazy like that was jeff booth's mom and they were close yeah. and, and surfing wow it's Skippy. just so wild we all ended jeff up booth's here. mom surfed yeah wow yeah how funny back in the day yeah, yeah. did we talk about that i don't know it's like five five hour so. interview with that guy i don't know <laughs> i have to go back and re-listen um but no that's a, that's a, i mean that's incredible that you know you're so, so you got into it pretty early with your dad. Yeah. In the surfing. It, it was uh, definitely um, a nudge of, uh, yeah, it was just a, it was second nature, yeah. you know, you would say, right? So what, were you like five or four? No, or? it was more like, I think I started surfing on my own on a hard board when I was eight, like, a, okay. you know, a single fin, dinged up single fin kind of thing. But I'd always tag along with my dad's camp. And so... I was there every week and you know kids would come and go but I was always there you know yeah so um, that's kind of neat you get to to meet all these kids some of them are troubled kids but you know your dad's like kind of inspiring troubled kids and using surfing to to you know make it better for themselves in their lives yeah and and, you know as we in the 70s late 70s early 80s it wasn't like super programmed out that you know none of us really saw it as a career path or or anything at that point you know you're just yeah. kind of like most of the schools you know there was no surf team there was no any of that you know we didn't have that until we were done with high school i mean we had a surf team but no one's getting credit for it yeah. so i thought you know i talked to my school counselors then 
and there's always those barriers. You know, it's like, oh, I want to be a pro surfer. You're like, you're tripping. Yeah. <laughs> there's no curriculum for that here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just want to get out of PE and go surf. <laughs> yeah. So, so wow, that's cool that your dad was doing that. And did did he like pile up the van and go to different surf spots or just don't yeah? Any? We were we were very much like like for that that Dave Hagen surf school was basically Sano. Okay. And then, yeah, sometimes Doheny, but he didn't really stray from those spots. He never thought Laguna Beach was a good spot to learn. So, um, and then the locals were doing their thing, and it just was, you know, it's tight, tight lineups and, and reef breaks and close to the shore. And so, yeah, we were always down that way um, doing that. But he was also really good with me because, you know, he had his roots in Hawaii, and he took me at an early age to go and spend time with Russ Kay and wow. like that's where I met Keone Watson for the first time I was the first guys I met in Hawaii and then we also spent a lot of time in Baja like he was just a Baja dog too so yeah. we were always driving that's pretty down cool there. you're fortunate to have a dad that, that was totally into surfing and immersed in it yeah um, and traveling to those spots I mean those were the two most you know you know main spots to travel because I mean where we're at you know Hawaii, Hawaii is Mexico. you know pretty yeah. quick flight but Mexico like we talk about it all the time and you know how raw it was and easy and loose I mean we didn't even need anything except an ID you know yeah. but like yeah. a lot of good surf experiences down there so so you did you skip bo- boogie boarding or you go straight to surfing or oh no I was an avid boogie boarder yeah we we all boogie boarded that was sure. I used to stand in the shore break and just have the waves come under my board and stand. That was how I basically learned to yeah. surf, you know. Just like, then you run and throw it, and then, then I run and throw. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Throw it. The steps of uh, learning how to surf on a boogie board, and then you catch white water and you stand up in the white water on the boogie. And no, yeah. I mean that's. But when you're a kid that age, like it's everything. You yeah. know, it's skimboarding, it's freaking body surfing, it's 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 being yeah. in the water. It'll be full circle. I'd imagine myself <laughs> as an old carp on a boogie board. Someday. <laughs> someday like just to ride waves and, and here you know we have a lot of shore break and and we all grew up just body surfing too uh, and, yeah. and uh boogie just boarding and we getting the vision close out tubes man just. so, so you're talking about I, I wanted you said a couple things that i really wanted to get into so your dad has surf school you surfed sano a lot and doheny a lot so you're after boogie boarding you progress into longboards or no, I never did. I, I went straight to Twin Fins. Okay. And then, uh, you know, I remember there was a day Jeff Booth tagged along with us, and he was already making his way through the NSSA program. And, but he would come along, and, and I was still riding a single fin, and he's like, hey, try my new Stussy, this Twin Fin. And I remember just, like, going straight in the foam and going wiggling, 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 going rail to rail and feeling that. So I was like, yeah, yeah I was like, look. I'm going to go high performance all the way. And, yeah. you know, you have that when you're young like that, you know, you, you just want to go rip. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think how game changing and life changing some of those little moments are, right? Like, like you said, like letting the wave come under the boogie board and that surfing and then throwing the board and that surfing. And then, you know, you're on a long board, single fin, and then Boothy hands you a twin fin. You're like, what? Yeah. the hell like and those are etched in your brain forever but it's it's crazy how those feelings you, you, you'll never forget them 
and they change your life. I right? mean, we're still chasing that feeling every, <laughs> yeah. every day. You know, that, that speed, you know, that, that the feeling, glide. the glide. Oh, yeah. It's, as cheesy as it does sound, you know, when you talk about that, if you're not a surfer, you're you probably understand. like, those guys are weird. But, yeah, I mean, you know, whatever. And I always try to put that analogy together. Like, my best wave symbol is the sports stock market that allows you to profit from your sports knowledge. There are two ways to make money on Symbol. First, every time a team you own wins, you earn cash when payouts. Second, just like the stock market, if you think a team's going to increase in value, you can buy low and then sell high for a profit. Use promo code SD to make your first deposit risk-free. That means even if you lose money or just decide the market isn't for you, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked is way different than your best wave or a beginner's best wave, but we all get that same rush and that same feeling, you know? So yeah. somebody that's just learning, and even though we look like, oh, that's a beginner kook, you know? But yeah. what's going through their, their mind, mind is what, is what yeah. we did at like age eight or 10 or yeah. younger. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're so right. And I, yeah, that first, that, that first cutback, that first bottom turn, the first of everything. and Yeah, first two, that first, first two. In, you know? First vision. Lennon's still looking for that first two vision. <laughs> no, he's gotten so pitted at that Slater wave or whatever. But yeah, but that's you know, I'm not. Don't want to skip ahead. No, I'm, that's yeah. a huge part of what I get so much joy out of in this fleeting life of ours and seeing kids through the Mauiola Foundation and like yeah. that is like that story. And yeah. you're like, oh my god, that just that was a a life changing moment. And you observe that, yeah, it comes and goes, and you know, yeah, we'll get to, we'll get that. But no, that's so true. On yeah. on you, you know, when somebody's you see in their eyes, you see in their smile, you see in their body language, and, and you know, you just that stoke, yeah, yeah. So going back to Grom growing up here, you're mentioning how like uh, tight Laguna, you know, the, the local spot, and you're talking about localism, right? Yeah. So how was it like? For you, you're, you didn't have to worry about it, really, because... Oh, you did. They were still packing order. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Tell us about, like, who was running, running the show and, like... Yeah, I mean, it, it starts, I mean, obviously, like, like any chain, there's, there's guys on top, but you kind of make your way through the middle guys, the guys who are right above you, you know? And, uh, you know, here, the reefs are tight takeoffs, and they're, they're fickle, there's you know, certain boils and markings and things that you know. And, you know, when the locals are on it, you you make your way down the line. So, like, right in front here, Thalia Reef is a perfect example. It's a really tight, little, fun, fast little right. And, uh, yeah, the characters, I mean, it goes, it starts with, you know, for me, a lot was like uh, Jack Denny and Steve Clark. Nice. And, um, Legends. you know, Legend. um, Kirk Judner and then... You know, it was in the 80s, it was kind of my real formative years. Late 70s, I was still a Grom. So we had a lot of energy to come from South Africa. You know, the Mark Prices and the Michael Thompsons and yeah. the Mike Savages and Michael Ginsburgs. And like, it was like insane. And they all. Why did, found why did the way. South Africans congregate in Laguna? I think they saw this as a little Cape Town or Durban. It's I a think lot of yeah, similarities. Yeah, with, with the coast and just. Yeah, the culture and stuff like it's, you know. But then there's like you know the Pat Tobins and the um, 
this guy Tommy O'Hara, and there's these Sides brothers. Um, they're all, you know, at that point, everyone's just just shredding it. And there was, yeah, there was a lot of scraps down here, a lot of like, because there's one entrance down, one entrance out. There's ice plant everywhere. You know, if you get if you come from out of town, you might get hit in the head with an ice plant, and then you might be circled by a group if you misstep or burn someone. And no, there was always that element here. Um, yeah. So you know, I I was witness to a lot of it. You know, I'm. Luckily, a lot of guys did the dirty work for me. I was I was always kind of a nice guy, and um, but uh, it's interesting to watch that evolve. Yeah. Um, but it's it's coveted. I mean, this is a tribal town. Yeah. You know, it truly is, and people there's multi generations who sit on these little spots, and you know, the reefs were here well before us. You know, so as an observation, you know, observing nature, you're just like the houses, everything. You take that away, I'll show you a picture of like early Laguna, but it's like the reefs haven't changed. Yeah. And so there's been people here, you know, dating back to Dick Metz and all the way up and, and, you know, uh, Kevin Naughton and Craig Peterson and that whole crew, you know, and like, yeah, it was always a, a Jeff Quam, um, a bunch Isn't of guys. Any Mike Ar- Armstrong? Too, Mike that? Armstrong was like a Brook street yeah. guy, you know, he Brian, charged pipe too, right? He was a great pipe surfer. Yeah. Um, yeah, Brook Street's like a poor man's pipeline. It, it has all the, the tricks in it, but not the barrel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who was who uh, your, like, you know, crew? Like, who you surfed with? Like, your Grom crew? Yeah, I mean, it was... Because uh, there's a lot of good talent that came out of this. Yeah, our generation was super competitive. Uh, and it was, yeah, we came up, we started to do, I was kind of, Jeff kind of was the first guy who led me into the NSSA when I was 12. And then then the guys like uh, Sly Dog, Stephen Chu, uh, Brandy Faber, uh, James Pribram, and, uh, you know, the list goes on. I don't want to li- forget anyone, Tristram Miller, and, uh, you know, I'm trying to think. Yeah, who- Laguna's yeah. got a lot of talent, and I remember seeing a lot of, like, the guys you mentioned yeah. in, in the mags back in the day too yeah right? yeah everyone yeah everyone it was it uh it. was john rose and a little john younger rose, john rose was a little younger yeah, yeah. mike todd mike todd was a little younger um, yeah but like you know yeah. that you know there was again when the in yeah. ssa and the competitor you know amateur competitor push in that yeah. like late 80s early 90s like yeah it was a lot of good talent and then i mean probably the closest like guy I did a lot of traveling with he was never really a contest guy but um like eric nelson frogger yeah and yeah. you know he's tavaro boatman and and barrel extraordinaires devoted his life to traveling and surfing and you know so there's this yeah a lot of inspiration that was nothing new it wasn't it was always uh we never questioned ourselves on this life path like because everyone's kind of like you're looking around you know, I don't know if I meant like Eli Lapacola. Oh, yeah. I remember him back remember in the day. Him. He was yeah. he was a really natural, talented surfer. Um, and then yeah, Jeff Booth and Mike Parsons and Chris Morrow and you know it. The list goes deep. You yeah, know? for sure. So so going back to you and that twin fin that changed your trajectory. Uh, when did you start surfing contests? How old were you? You said Boothy got you kind of into it. Well, yeah. I mean, going back to that twin fin, you, you're obviously like, hey, I want one of these. Or, like, how do I get one of these? Or, do, like, I mean, instantly, that's a game changer. Yeah. No, I uh, obviously, I think for most Laguna surfers, their first contest will be the Brook Street. 
Oh, yeah. And yeah, that was the my. Kevorkian? <laughs> That's like your last contest. <laughs> Where all surfers go to die. <laughs> so, so your Brook Street contest was the first one. Yeah, that's pretty big, uh, a big deal for for Laguna, right? It's got yeah, it's it's it is known as the the you know someone might say otherwise, but we call it the it is the longest surf running surf contest in the world. It does miss years, but it has a waiting period. Um, and yeah, it's a rite of passage kind of for for all the Laguna kids, and oh, cool. you wait for a big swell. So typically, it's it's six feet, you know, four to six feet minimum. And then, so when you're 12 and you're putting the jersey on for the first time, and your whole community is up there, and you're going psyching. <laughs> that's the most vocal division as far as what's happening on the rocks, yeah. you know. And it's like a little cathedral down there. So, um, and it's at Brook Street. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how fun though, you know, because all your, your elders, all your, all the guys you looked up to, you know, and then all the, the guys you're trying to, you know, one up all your bros, but all eyes on you, you yeah. know, no, no pressure. <laughs> yeah, true so how, how did you do in your first contest? You remember? Uh, I got second. I'll never forget. Brook Street's a right, a left. And I remember like. I needed a score and I went right and did a floater I never thought I'd make and just it fell from the sky. I was riding this double, like this Hobie single fin double wing bat tail. <laughs> I wish I, I don't know why I ever sold that board, but um, I'll just never forget like that feeling like I'm holding on because I want that trophy and <laughs> I'm going to, uh, you know, so I don't know. Yeah, it was kind of out of, out of, like an out of skin kind of like maneuver at the time and surfing a what's supposed to be a left and going right and just being spun being a spun cookie and a super psyched grom but got second though got pulled, second pulled off the floater pulled the for, floater for yeah. those that don't don't know Brook Street you said it's a left but going right is it, it's it's just it closes out quick or is there a, is there a reef that pops up that you gotta maneuver it's around it's zone yeah it, it's like going, everything it, it's everything you can see it right now you oh, see yeah. how the boils the rocks but anyways yeah you go straight into basically an uh, uneven dry rock shelf yeah close out but who, so going right got you big points <laughs> who won it, it? Who won it? Do you <laughs> I can't remember it didn't remember. matter didn't so matter. how long did you um, when did you start doing like NSSAs and stuff that was in 82, I think, 82, and then, yeah, it was that class. I remember, never forget going to that first thing. It was one of those memories that singes, you know, like, uh, you know, meeting Jamie George and Chris Brown and Shane Beshin and all those guys for the first time yeah. and going, oh, whoa, this is guys from all around the coast. And, and uh, yeah, I finaled my first thing in the, the South Bay. I don't, I don't remember, Manhattan Beach or something. and. First contest, you made the final. Yeah. That's epic. Yeah, and the boys or whatever. And, yeah. Uh, so that was cool. It kind of kept kept me stoked. And yeah. And, and, yeah, I was lucky. I was lucky to be able to, 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 be able to participate in that. How, how boys under, like, the under 12 or whatever? Yeah, I think it was like, yeah, I don't know if it's 14 and under or 12 and under, but it was, yeah, yeah we were all micrograms. How crazy is it when you're, like, you know, when you're come from your little surf community surf town. you're one of the highlights and you're in the spot you know when you're the guy and yeah and then you start meeting these other kids you're like damn <laughs> these guys are good right yeah absolutely i mean yeah the, it is so eye-opening and, and yeah there is so much talent on this coastline and yeah the west west coast of california is like just chock full of guys from santa cruz you know, yeah. all the way down to the imperial beach 
So did did you get a sponsor pretty quick or? No, it, it was a it was a yeah. We were just cruising for 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 a bit and uh, yeah. My first sponsor was Gotcha. That was Sick. the first first local number. brand. I mean, kind of. I mean, obviously. Yeah, Michael it, Thompson. Yeah, no, yeah. That was a, that was a big big step for me. Like going and and Mark Price asked me to come in and then meeting Mike Kirkshank and I was just a grom. I remember I just had like a like just a print photo of my dad took of me doing a bottom turnout here. And that was my portfolio. I'm like, dude, I got set, you know. I, I got second here. Mark said I'm finaled here. Yeah, and I, I didn't have, you know, didn't, you know, I didn't even get in the performers yet, you know, or yeah. you remember that little yeah, thing yeah. Matt, Schwagels. The swag, get the swaggles pick and, and end up in the performer section. That that came a couple of years later, but yeah, no, they, it was just like, I don't know. Go grab a pair of sweatsuits and, and, and a sticker and, and Over, oversized clothes because they probably didn't make anything no, that small. Exactly. <laughs> how, how old were you when you got sponsored? I think I was. Gosh, I was probably four, thirteen or fourteen. You know, fourteen. How psyched were you though? Yeah, no, it's just part. It's part of uh, just being included, and then when you're included, you it gives you that confidence. Yeah. And, well, and we we talk about that a lot. You know, the the pride of like how how you just. You know, you're just psyching. Well, you, you look at these magazines, you know, again, going back to the day when those magazines, but like those were our monthly, you know, like guys to what's happening in surf. And you're seeing all these gotcha ads, you're seeing all the, the pros and you're like, wait, I get to put that sticker on my yeah. board and I'm getting the same. I'm on the same I'm team on, as Shane Haran. I'm, I'm on, the, on the same team as Martin Potter. Yeah, I'm going to be that guy soon, you know, like that's going through your head as a yeah. kid, you know. That's really inspiring because these guys... Like I was at an early age because guys like Michael Thompson lived in Laguna, you know, Martin Potter came and stayed with him and Shane Haran came and stayed with him and Sean Thompson came and stayed with him. And yeah, so I just had these moments where I'd be out here and, and these guys would paddle out, paddle out. And, uh, yeah, and those you'd are, snake them. <laughs> oh, hell no. I, I was just, I was a student. Yeah, no, I was a student <laughs> of the game and, and, and awe, you know, those, you know, at that point, you know, surf stars obviously were just larger than life. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was incredible to have that exposure. You know, Mark Richards, I just, you know, there's certain imagery, photos in the magazine. Like we were going down to San Jose with my dad. We'd flip through those early mags all the time. They'd just be stacked in the seat, you know, the seat holders. And and yeah, it was just things you just, just dream of, you know. Yeah. And all of a sudden. And here it is coming to life, right? Paddling out in your lineup. You're like, what the hell? Yeah. Martin Potter's just, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, and and true to form, he surfed twice as fast <laughs> as anyone I ever seen surf. Yeah, you know, you're like, okay, there is a next level. There, yeah, he was there. There is a next level. Yeah, I mean, that guy turned pro at 15 or something crazy. Yeah, you know that. I mean, he was prodigy. futuristic. Yeah, for sure, prodigy, one of the best. What um, growing up in Laguna, what was your like surf shop stomping grounds, or where did you guys like collectively hang out? Um, yeah, I mean, we had a, there started. There used to be a place called Oak Street Surf Shop mm. um, that Mike Armstrong was involved with, and then uh, Spotify Green Room. Spotify Green Room is a free audio-only social media platform for all sports fans. Start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join any league or group you want. And follow us at Late Night with Chalky to be notified when our room goes live. Spotify Green Room. 
and then it moved. Like I remember going there. I was like, you know, remember those O'Neill jackets that used to like you could zip up here with like the baggy sleeves. And yeah. It could almost be a raincoat. <laughs> I was like, Mom, I want to wear that. And then Hobie was a big part as well. Like that's pretty much where we bought our first board shorts. And then in '82, Eric John, yeah, came to town from Huntington Surf yep. and Sport, and he kind of started. He was kind of more on like, okay, there's an industry booming here. Like, so he was more. It wasn't so much, uh, I mean, Hobie was a great family store, but EJ was like, let's foster talent, you know, let's let's get a team, let's yeah. do all this. So that was a big part of us. Like he had Mike Parsons and Boothy and, you know, that generation of guys, you know, Chris Morrow and Yeah, Chris, he, he's establishing a clubhouse, but, you know, at, you know, running a business at the same time, you know, yeah. like getting the best and the most, you know, well-known surfers together and sponsor. It's, it's a big That's part of the business. That's probably one of the paradigm shifts in Laguna surfing culture, right? Uh, yeah, I Having think... him coming to town and establishing... I think Eric John played a big role in that, like, uh, because he, he was a really... He was a tough critic. Like, he was he was hard. I felt... I got my feelings hurt by him so many times. Me too, bro. And, uh... <laughs> and EJ, if you're listening to this, I forgive you. But I don't. There were, there were times, you know, where you're just yeah. wrong, but he was also... Like an uncle, he would look out, he would wait, business would close. I'd always be, you know, I was kind of like, uh, and no offense to your mom, I was a bit of a latch key when it came to surfing, and there was no cell phone, so. Yeah, I think we all were in yeah. that. Yeah, in I was, that uh, I was, you know, waiting around a lot. Yeah. Um, waiting for rides, waiting for an elder to take me somewhere, waiting, you know. So, so EJ was that, that person. He'd, he'd keep the shop open late and wait, wait. you know, my mom was a half hour late. He would be there and that kind of stuff. So, but without, you know, it came with heckles and rubber fingers and getting locked in the changing room. And yeah. Grom abuse. Grom abuse. Grom abuse happened. ran rapid. Because it, again, I go back to the like boys clubhouse environment, you know, like these, in your eyes, this is an adult, like a grown man. But in realistically, as you grew up, you're like, dude, that guy was not, you know, he was, he was an, probably late twenties. But yeah, you know, yeah. and you know, he's he came from that that culture and that era, you know. And I mean, it's kind of that pay it forward, you know, mentality where it's tough love, but you know, at the same time, that was the culture back then. Yeah, fun, but yet abusive. <laughs> yeah, like they were dicks. They they, they were assholes. You know, like. <laughs> But you kind of respect it in a way because it kind of tempered you, right? It totally tempered you. And yeah. a lot of this stuff, you know, surfing is about, you know, releasing those those aggressions that could turn to something worse, you yeah. know, whether it's drugs or violence or, yeah. you know, anything. There's so many paths you could take, but I don't know. Surfing's always been such a positive outlet. And this was, yeah, really encouraging to stay on the right track and, you know, you sit there and he had those worn out VHS tapes in the shop and you know, we watched the performers oh my gosh. in 82, 83 and like every day and I was like over and over and over, you know, you're never going to pull in like Chappie Jennings. I watched you, you know, or you're never going to, never going to surf as good as rabbit or, you know, and, and we always just like, who's going to go to Hawaii first and who's going to really step up. I'm going to, you know, so as far as like, so going like to surf sport was that like, Oh, place yeah. where people just talk shit on each other and push each other to the limit. Huh? Oh, big time. That's that's pretty awesome. I mean, it's it's creating competition within, you know. Yeah. Like, but you you got, you know, the the cream's going to rise to the top, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. 
you either have the ability, you have the tough love, you, you know, you could weather, you know, weather some abuse because the world, you know, yeah, is yeah. if you can't ugly. hang in a surf shop, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of you know what I mean? Yeah, like if you can't hang and get yeah. abuse and give abuse, yeah, then. <laughs> Yeah. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> but we, you know, like I was fortunate enough to live in Huntington. There was a lot of shops, and in you know, it was a big surf community. Yeah. But there's a lot of assholes there. There too. was a lot of assholes there. <laughs> but each shop had its uh, had its its group, you know, and everybody hung. But you know, each shop would have its own like tormentors and the, and the guys that that was their their hangout. Yeah. And Did you guys move to different sandbars too? No, all but, no, they all sort of the same spots. But they, you know, it's just you know, you would you would get a little bit. It's like jumping to a different block, you know, in a different group of 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 guys, characters, characters yeah. for sure. But I mean, it was I would. What a great way to grow up, though. Yeah, right. Yeah, like for sure, it definitely gave you a lot more. Even though it's the same little street, same little town, yeah, you still got different perspectives, right? Um, so going back to to Haas, so you you started writing for Gotcha. What boards were you writing? Um, I was writing Terry Martin's like uh, Hobie Hobie surfboards, and then um, I rode Hurley's. Uh, no way. Yeah, um, when when uh, Bob was starting to make boards, EJ kind of set me up with Bob Hurley. So he made me nice. a bunch, a few boards, a handful of boards. It wasn't like I was getting a bunch of boards then, and. Uh, so that was really neat, and then I rode Rusty's as well. So I, yeah, it was pretty cool. I got to ride when he was still coming up. This is kind of all before the clothing thing happened for both those guys. So that was cool. I had a good relationship with uh, Rusty Priestendorfer and Bob Hurley, and I started on Terry Martin's, and then I ended up back on Terry Martin's, and he started a factory called Jaws, just at water, out in Laguna Canyon, and mm. uh, he was an amazing guy, huge part of my life. For you know, probably a decade, and he liked to get to work really early, and and so I'd ride my bike out there, and before school, like he'd get to work at four thirty in the morning, Jeez. and he'd just talk story, and we'd go through everything, and uh, so he was he was a really big character in my life, and he he worked um, for my uncle Danny. There was this guy Danny Bronner who ran the Hobie factory. They made board since the beginning where you know Timmy Patterson everybody came through there yeah. making lightning bolts all the way through all the whole, whole Hobie thing but Terry was always there he was the main shaper and then it was cool because it was kind of full circle be back with Terry um, now was so that your mom's brother or your dad's brother that's on my mom's side so that's uh, Danny was married to my mother's sister Sharon Bronner got it so um, and they still have a board company alive called Bronner Surfboards hmm. um, down in uh, Capistrano Cool. beautiful boards but yeah so Terry was a Terry was my guy and then we moved to Xanadu after that after Terry yeah Terry's yeah I moved on in the early 90s to Xanadu and it's been you've been still riding <laughs> yeah it was yeah. like 90 I think that's right when Gurr was number two in the world and uh, I just made the switch I'm like I want that guy. I want him to surf like that guy. I want that go that fast. I want that. I want that tattoo. Yeah. I want that hair. I want. I want to be number two. Yeah. <laughs> that's girl. I mean, the girl. The girl. We we we, uh, we had Zanadu on the the show a few weeks ago, yeah. and oh man, we got to get back and finish up yeah. his story. But you know, going back to that, you know, you 
hopped around all these different boards, and I think everybody did. I did. I mean, that's it's kind of what little younger surfers should be doing, you yeah. know? Yeah. Everybody's great shapers, but, you know, it's... Finding the right fit. There, there's, yeah, boards that work better for certain people based on, you know, all kinds of variables. But uh, Xanadu, well, you know, again, he was at the top of his his game. Yeah. Gert, Lisa Anderson. Um, I don't even know who... Fabio Govea. Oh. Um, <laughs> and this time, is that when you're well, going yeah, we pro, were, trying we to be gapped, Yeah, yeah, we got to like 92. I graduated high school in 92 and I... How were you in school? I did okay. I was a 3.2 average student who was dreaming of surfing every day and... Uh, Amen, brother. But I yeah. did the work and then as soon as I got to the end of that finish line, I was like... I'm not looking back on school. Like I, I just was absolutely just wanted to go see the world, go surf the best waves in the world, and try to. Your aspiration was to be a pro surfer. My, that was my aspiration. Yeah. yeah. At what age? Because I know, I mean, thirteen, fourteen is when it's like, yeah, like that's what I want. But you know, you know how realistic. You're still pretty young, and then around like fifteen, sixteen, you're like. Yeah. Okay, like there actually might be a shot at yeah. making this happen. And he mentioned tough critics in the crowd there. For sure. You know, like Yeah, I don't think honestly down. honestly when I turned pro I didn't I don't and I don't think I had what it took at that point. And I had results. I was making I had a couple like butt tour semifinal finishes and you know, you're slamming it out with Mike Lambrizi and the Coon brothers or Charlie Coon you know, all these guys, Dino and Dino and Matt Archibald. Yeah. And, it was, it was great, and I had moments, and luckily there was decent prize money, and I had a little, you know, entry fees were covered, and a little bit of travel, and um, so I was slugging it out, but, um, you know, before then, I, I, I did good, you know, I was on the national team for the NSSA, I was, you know, one, you know, whatever, 40 events over the, pan. I was number two in the ratings behind Machado, and, that, you know, I was in the top, always in the yeah, top four, yeah. top five. All the way through, um, your amateur years and stuff. Amateur years, yeah. yeah. So I was kind of at least my you know my name was in the hat, but I had a lot of growing to do. Uh, I was always kind of a sensitive guy, so I was always thinking about others a lot too <laughs> in the heats. And I wasn't like like cut the throat. type of guy who's cutthroat. I wasn't super cutthroat. Not a killer. I wasn't a killer. Um, Larson wasn't either. But I uh, <laughs> I love to surf and uh, you know and I I, I, you find give to people I just will never forget PSWA heats where I looked at desperation in guys' eyes like I have a mortgage and two kids and at that point I'm like well I live with my parents and I love surfing and take it you know like I yeah. was never I wanted it but I like at what cost and yeah. and I don't know I, I had a yeah weird growing growing period then like competitively yeah. you know as a surfer yeah we all like want to just surf our best and you see technique and waves and, and how to execute a perfect ride like we all want to execute perfect rides yeah. right so start to finish so that just one turn quite a bit you but think? so no I, yeah i think in my head i i just uh yeah i didn't have that 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 killer yeah like, i didn't have that killer instinct i mean there are times i believe me, i paddled around people and you know i've, I've scrapped but I was never that scrappy. Yeah. When, when a certain surfer that you were like, you knew that needed a win or needed... I don't know. I just saw the surroundings. I, was, I just said, yeah, I don't know how to explain it except being a, a, a sensitive person.
person. Yeah. You know, I, as a human, I looked around and, and like, like, man. Well, that's what's so unique about surfing is because, you know, it's a lifestyle and, and, you know, you searching for the perfect wave, how to ride the wave the best and, and you know, you got that side of it, you know, yeah. and the competitive surfing is a whole nother beast within surfing that, you know, when you have that ability like yourself and you could create results and whatever, but, you know, sometimes it just doesn't, it's not rewarding. Like yeah. just getting a result doesn't make you feel maybe, you know, like it was satisfied, satisfied and, yeah. you know. Well, it's, it's funny though, because, you know, when you're, when you're a Grom going through the amateur ranks and, you know, you're figuring out what it takes to win, right? And, you know, you're 13, 14 years old surfing these amateur contests, seeing pros like Martin Potter and, you know, you're, you're in your mind, you're going to be a pro surfer, right? Yeah. And then you're, you're, you're going, you know, you're, you're going to these contests, making the finals, trying to be what you want to be. And then you get to that point, you're like, fuck, you know, I'll never forget. Like we were, it was the, the U S I were, it was a U.S. team um, event. You know, Kelly Slater's in it. Uh, you know, Casey Curtis, Pat O'Connell. You know, everyone's trying to qualify. Rob Machado for the the U.S. team that goes to Japan. And uh, my best friend at the time was Evan Slater, and we we went through all the contests together. I always stayed at his house. He always stayed at mine. We went, you know, when we weren't at contests, we'd go to Big Sur or go check out. You know, we do stuff. We're always tight and. Uh, I remember we had this heat in Oceanside, you know, Taylor Knox was there and then for whatever reason we were the last two who didn't qualify and they're like, okay, it's man on man. Wow. Between you two. Between us two and for the last two best spot, friends. Two best friends the best to go to Japan. And it was super, you know, we we got scrappy and like, you know, we do that. I mean, everyone does it. We've yeah. I've had fallings out with a lot of bros over heats and like you try to keep it in the water when it goes to the beach and then Sometimes, you know, there's some mud slinging and sh- stuff that could happen, you know, shit that happens. But anyways, this was like one of those heats it was highly emotional. Came and I was like, I got this. You know, I got, I'm going to get this in for sure. And I didn't. And then, and I was so mad and I didn't and talk to And you gave it your all. No, and I gave it everything and I was ready to like, like, yeah, heads were going to roll. You know, I wanted to win <laughs> at all costs. And then I was ready to get in the beach and he won. I felt so jealous and mad and I didn't talk to him for six months <laughs> and and all these there's all these photos I still to this day I look at photos of that team and they're like like ah. but it it th- those things are you you grow from those things yeah, and I, sure. you know, obviously we came around really quickly and everything was great and I was stoked you know just to be I love part the of gang. it's like the peanut, yeah. it's like the peanuts gang it's like happiness is just being part of the gang I remember yeah. Donnie Solomon used to always say that. he's like I don't need to be the, the guy I'm just happy to be part of the gang yeah and uh, so anyways I that was a real turning point for me of a lesson in life where I'm like wait a second why do I hate this guy right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that and that kind of draws again on that you know like is this what I signed up for for surfing you yeah. know like yeah. the surfing's such a rewarding, f- fulfilling, like, sport or life. And it's, here you are feeling the worst because you're not part of that exclusive group and you didn't win that one heat. And, yeah, at the time, it's it's life in me. It's funny, yeah. though, the, the different perspective of, of uh, at one, in one situation, it's your <laughs> best friend and you want to fucking beat him. 
right? Yeah. You want them to win. You want to beat them. And then you're in another heat at PSAA and you're feeling sorry for a guy and you probably didn't give it your all, you know, because, you know, he has a mortgage and you don't. So how funny is that to, like, look at both sides of, like, that's part of your best friend, too, you know, and then you're, you're a guy that you probably don't even know, but you know that he has a mortgage. But, that, but that's a different era of, of time in your life, you know, when you're a kid and you're not thinking about money or anything. You're just thinking about being, you know, on the team, on the team and yeah. being a part of it. You know, when you get to that part where you're a pro and yeah, you're going against older, you know, older guys yeah. and they have more to lose. And, and then it starts wearing on you for sure. I mean, that's just yeah. a big difference between amateur. It is. And there's a there's such a long game. And, you know, I've watched, I've heard Timmy Curran be very vocal about that, how pro surfing really beat him up because he really, you know, he, was a, he had all the talent in the world. Child prodigy. Child prodigy. Yeah. And, then, and then the whole cutthroatness of it just took Eat the stoke of surfing away from him. Yeah. And, and he, you know, he got to gain that back, and that's hard. And and for yeah. I don't know for myself, what I've learned is the stoke of surfing shouldn't. I'd never want that to waver at all costs. You know, yeah. like like so. I, I I came to a different spot. I think spiritually and in my head about it all, and the whole experience of what we're doing. We're surfing. We're communing with nature. We're designing these boards that fit at those surf spots you're dreaming of. You're surrounded with friends. You're doing something you love. And it is a release. Like, we all have, like, you know, life is real. We all have to make a living, and we all have to, you know, do all this stuff. But but I never, personally, I just didn't want to tamper with that feeling, that pure feeling of surf stoke yeah. and, and that connection to something you love so much, you know? Yeah. So that's a great point. So um, going back, you, you, you didn't make that... Um, National team, yeah, like, yeah, and then you eventually turned pro, right? Yeah, and it was a similar thing. It was the PSAA time, and we were able to go to Hawaii and Puerto Rico. It was very domestic, and we all, you know, you could scrap together a living. You could make fifty grand a year, you know, forty grand. Yeah, you were time was that's a good money. And I was riding for Gotcha and uh, Victory Wetsuits and Civic. Uh, um, I was Xanadu's. yeah I had uh, at that point yeah I was riding the transition of Jaws I was riding the Terry Martins and then I moved over to Xanadu's and uh, and that was that was super cool it was a good chapter um, quick soon after that I, I uh, signed with O'Neill and that was a really good chapter for me um, you know got to hang out with Chris Gallagher and, and Adam Rapogel and Ratboy and Rufo and I was always with the Santa Cruz crew um and and they were they were really really great. I got to start doing the QS and actually go go to Europe and and all of that then, which was super exciting. And uh, and then at that point, I got this random call. Like Jeff Booth once again, him and his wife were like, "Hey, this is kind of when that happened." I was I was on the tour and and starting to get some results and making some money and and traveling with all these guys. Kind of like, oh wow, this is what I said. I'm part of the gang. I'm, yeah. I'm doing this. I'm going where I want I'm spending you know two months in Hawaii and I'm going to do the Euro leg I'm going to Japan and you know I'm, I'm surfing all the domestics and, and trying to you know at that point I was trying to qualify it wasn't really much of a free surf thing they sent me down to Puerto Escondido I'll never forget and like you know we're pulling into big barrels and getting photos and that was just a fun chapter but um, yeah right then it was 1994 
94, 95, and then I did this photo shoot for, uh, I randomly showed up. Jeff Booth's like, hey, show up. Laird Hamilton's in uh, La Jolla, and there's this photographer, Robert Maxwell. He's doing an editorial for, fashion editorial for Rolling Stone magazine. And uh, How did Boosie find out about it? You- his wife, Melissa, was working at Quicksilver, and they're mm-hmm. like, you know, call all surfers, you know, we want surfers. Yeah. And, uh, so I drove down there, me and Brandy Faber went down there and, uh, I was like, you're way better looking than Brandy Faber too. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, all surfers. So yeah. Hey, he's got good lips. Have you seen? (laughs) It's like, they're voluptuous. Really, uh, really good lips. You should see the photo. I'll show it to you. He's got a, the photo that came out of Rolling Stone. He actually had a turtleneck over his lips. I'm like, that's his best feature. No Why way. His lips. No wonder you didn't make it modeling. <laughs> so before before I forget to ask you, how stoked was your dad seeing you progress in, in your surf you know life and become a pro surfer and all that? I mean, that must have been pretty cool for. For your parents, yeah. I mean, any parents are like, wow, I don't have to buy a board or I don't have to buy you clothes or, you know. They got away with that, uh, yeah, not having to buy me school clothes and all that stuff. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I think he, both my parents carry a lot of pride in that. Yeah. Staying true to myself, you know, and, you know, pulling it off. We're still going, right? We're pulling it off. 50. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, guys, am I okay? Yeah. What, what, going back to those early years, do you remember your first like mag photo? You talked about performers and you you wrote for some, some companies that maybe put, put you in an ad or. Yeah. Yeah. Performers was definitely the Fred, Fred Swagel's special. Lower left or Uh, Creek or. It's actually a Creek wave. Yeah. 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 Creek wave. Little float, you know, just smash the lip and float it out of it. Yeah. Got a photo and. Wearing a neon orange. Uh, it's funny Oneo how chill killer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny how floaters were such a big deal. Remember that? How floaters were just the biggest deal ever. Dude, they they still are. They just they get underrated. I don't know. This year they started scoring them because guys were doing heavy ones. Heavy ones. Philippe Toledo's doing like the curtsy on them. Just <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've seen Italo's floaters lately. They're they're pretty nice. Everybody. Oh, gosh. Yeah, but but so. So yeah, that, performers. that was, yeah, performers, and then yeah, just add water. That board companies did some ads, and then uh, yeah, you know, yeah, then Art Brewer got a shot in Surfer Magazine of me at Agate Street, and uh, it was like a full page shot. And then um, did you even know they were coming out, or did you just saw the mag? Like, did Art know they they're running? Like no, no, he was just like, hey, I always want to shoot Laguna, and it's the first caption was like Hans Hagen lights up the Laguna green. And I'm like. Yeah, that's cool, but, uh, you know. Uh, but yeah, I kind of forget. Actually, we kind of skipped a chapter a yeah. little bit. We got to go back to World Jungle. Yes, dude, Danny, Jack what? Danny. Because I'm kind of like thinking surf turkey the whole time, and there was a time between 1990 and 93 before the uh, O'Neill contract that that we started World Jungle, and that was a really cool time. And 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 they stepped up and gave me a job, and and you know, I was like kind of the quasi marketing director um, for, world for a world yeah for a startup company and at that time that's right when Volcom's starting and so I'd be up in Costa Mesa and you know we got to go back to Jack Denny a bit because yes. he was like the ultimate surfer ripping surfer artist provocateur you know guy you know he yeah. was that he was that devil on my shoulder like 
you know, like all the time and jab, he jabbed me and bring, bring the best out of me. Like he was, uh, he was huge. And we, you know, he was the guy I surfed Waimea with for the first time. And he's the guy who brought me out of comfort zone and in so many ways as a, as a, as a human and, 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 you know, as a businessman and all that stuff. And yeah, I got to a point where the, the company, anyways, I made a decision. I, I knew I needed to stick to surfing for a while longer. So, um, so you're going to taste of like no, help, helping out on the, on the company. Yeah. It was like side. a Troy Eckert kind of yeah. role, you know, like he was still, I'm still active. I'm still surfing. He still put me in his ads. We're a small company, you yeah. know, but I was still like, Hey dude, you got to get in the truck and drive up to downtown LA and grab the fabric rolls. Hey, dude, Peter Melanie's arrived from the airport. You know, this guy, this guy. So I was schlepping around and doing whatever it took to to yeah. help Jack and, and World Jungle. World Jungle was such a rad yeah. name and a rad brand. Yeah. You know, like it, it definitely had a chance to, to be a, a, a long-term brand, right? Yeah. No, it was. And it was an exciting time in the industry, you know, to be in Costa Mesa and... and, and uh, yeah, we were making movies, and, and you know, I got a, that was I got my first taste, and you know, I did original soundtracks for their movies, and we did wow. our first movie, Raw Energy, and then we did this movie, Aquatopia. And I remember Aquatopia. So you know, I, well, was I wrote for I wrote for him for about a year. Or a yeah, year that's or so. right. I yeah. remember. Yeah, yeah I mean, did you put him on? No, it was just two years later. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was. Um, they were owned. They, he he got. Um, oh, bought out. Bought out, but he was still like the creative director, and they had you know part of a group that was going to fund a bunch of money. And of course, you know Jack got sick, and you know as soon as he passed, they like can can the company. Yeah, it was like yeah. it was like. And Jack is a. Well, they signed you and Donovan. Donovan was yeah. for World Jungle. Yeah, was, yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah. I mean the the brand was off. It, it was, was going. Such, yeah, was yeah, it was the old school days of. Uh, surf industry because I remember like well, we couldn't afford it like Peter Mel got a cover he got the most mental wave at Mavericks that season and he was doing so much and we had him starred in our two movies he was kind of our marquee athlete and, and Jack's like dude just go drive my F-150 up there and give it to him you know like he had a truck you know, yeah. like, just he gave him a truck he gave him a truck he, like, wow. it was like used but I'm like dude well, what are, how are we going to pick up the fabric rolls you know like he's like no Pete, Pete Mel gets the truck you know and I don't mean, it was like such a, yeah, it was truly like a tribal That's company. Killer, yeah. And I don't know, Jack was a super creative. Um, he was really great with hand drawing and like the whole thing I remember, never forget, because I was always just tracking where he's traveling and what he was doing in those early gotcha days. And then he's like, I'm starting my own thing. I'm taking you over. And, you know, it was like super humble beginnings. And I, I took the leap of faith with him. And um, it was, it was, it was, it was fun. It was super inspiring yeah. times. And, and he was a really great, um, hand hand drawer like sketched like really hands-on and then yeah. that's right when kind of computers came on everything had to do it and then he had the learning curve of that and anyways we through and through he's just like a surfer creative like oh he's yeah. amazing guy he i mean to this day like when martin potter showed up here i'm like jack day his air was higher you know like yeah to this day it's like they're dueling out there i'm like you know, like he he would he would get people on their on their best days sometimes. Yeah. You know, like he was a ripping surfer. And I mean, the the brand what? name, the, everything about it was was cool and it was right on point for that time. But like everybody wanted to support Jack and everything. You know, like he was such a good human. Yeah. You know, and you were lucky to have him yeah. part of your life and yeah. uh, be a mentor, right? Yeah, it truly, truly, like 
through and through and yeah yeah he t- took me under his wing and um that was a really inspired chapter um it was kind of right then like right in those few years and the gotcha thing he's like i he basically got it I was like hey are you gonna stick with gotcha you're gonna come over here um because he designed for gotcha too right yeah he was there yeah he was one of their designers and uh yeah You're, you just weren't ready to to go full corp corporate gig you wanted to still travel yeah, there was also those changes. Like yeah. the, the new ownership came in, and I I I didn't get any equity in the company, and uh, I was kind of looking at the right on the wall really quick. We went to some sales meeting out in Arizona with the new owner, and I'm at the pool, and I'm like, "Who are all these people?" You know, <laughs> and uh, and then I'm like, "Jack, what you know, like, what's the, what's the upside?" He's like, "I don't know." I'm like, "Well, uh, I'm going to Bali," yeah. so I pretty much just I'm all, I'll catch you on the other side. Let's meet. So I remember, I forget, I went to Bali with Barney and Flea and, and uh, went on this radical trip with Rizal and Mare Suitra and, and uh, went Bali proper, then went over to West Java and, and, and surfed some crazy waves and then ended up in Hawaii and then kind of sat down with Jack and I'm like, yeah, my life's, I'm gonna take a different course. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and which was cool, it was amicable and, and, and it came alive, we surfed some of the best waves that winter and um, and and so yeah, it, it, yeah, that was that was a change for me. That's right. So we kind of didn't finish talking about that modeling shoot. So uh, you're at La Jolla, Larry Hamilton. I was, I was trying to uh, with Faze. skip that chapter. Yeah, break, so not even. This is a big big part of your story. <laughs> and I mean, you know, how did it go down? So Booth and his wife. They tell you to hey go down here bring crew or you just told you know Faber let's just go let's go check yeah, it out yeah no he's like bring, yeah, yeah bring crew yeah so anyway Faber's up for it yeah money involved yeah let's go you know <laughs> um, so yeah we went down there yeah they're like if they choose you they'll pay you you know so I went down and did it and uh, the magazine came out and uh, I was in Europe and I didn't really yeah I didn't think anything of it really you know they just had me try out a few things went to a couple different spots in the coves of La Jolla against a rock and here, you know, whatever. Like, oh, this is easy. Um, easy enough, you know? And yeah, Robert Maxwell, he's a he's a pretty uh, relatable guy, really, really interesting guy. He shoots a lot of political and, and, and celebrity portraits and he, he uses these old fat these old style like uh, like large format pol- Polaroids, like these long exposure stuff. So his stuff just comes out. He's just an amazing photographer. Well, he has a book here. I'll show you. I think I think I have it. But um, anyways, he he yeah. The magazine comes out. I'm over in Europe on the slugging it out on the WQS. You know, hanging with Barney and Flea and Rat Boy and Rapogel and and uh, I didn't talk to my parents. You know, I was at the era. It's like you're either sending postcards or buying a calling card. And I finally checked in. She's like, "You haven't called me in a week." And my mom was like, "You're getting a, the phone's ringing." off the hook I'm like why what's going on she, they're like the Rolling Stone came out you know and, and you got a call from Calvin Klein directly and you got a call from Ralph Lauren and um, fudge like, they, they, they wanted they want to talk to you and I was like oh wow and then <laughs> like I'm still I'll be home in a month you know like so that was that was that and, and I, I you know I kind of followed up but I you know I didn't know what to do I didn't yeah. have an agent or a a book when yeah. back in the day they used to have a book and um, so yeah all I had was these photos that Robert Maxwell took of me you know and okay so 
where you are getting calls from these people. Well, just to talk about the photo shoot for a second, was it for a particular brand or is it like an no, article? It was, a, it was an editorial. Editorial. Fashion okay. editorial. So I think... And you, everybody was doing different outfits for different brands and... It was just, just yeah, like, it was all high fashion, yeah. Armani and, and, you know, Prada and... Did you think... You know, it's like a lookbook like, for the... You know, the yeah, high, it's just high, like all those people, yeah. they send, I think they send their lines and then the, they get a high-end photographer and they... But it was in Rolling Stone? It was a Rolling Stone Dang. fashion editorial, which is... At that point, Rolling Stone was still, you know, relevant big, and and a lot of people looked at Rolling Stone. I mean, yeah, that was a yeah. huge magazine. But it was a guy did you magazine. think that you or did you expect or want something to happen after that? I, I had absolutely no idea. I was totally because because there's other surfers that are successful models. Why? Yeah, not but, many, but Buzzy Kerbox, who we had on the podcast. Ted Robinson, who we had on the podcast, yeah. like these two surfers, right? Yeah. So later on, Buzzy played a role. He was Ralph Lauren's contracted, most celebrated surfer of Ralph Lauren. And I ended up doing my first campaign after that. So fast forward, get the first call, like you're hired. You got to go to the Miami Keys. Um, the limousine's going to pick you up. <laughs> You're shooting with Naomi Campbell and what? Tyson Beckford and Bridget Hall. Wow. And I was like, and I'm all, well, and then Robert was cool enough because I didn't have an agent. And Robert's like, hey, dude, you know, ask for the moon. You know, I'm like, oh, what, are, I'm like, what do you ask? Like, what do you, what is this? What is this game? You know? Yeah. Bruce Weber's shooting it, you know, and, and so we're in this thing and I'm just like, wow, you know, flash forward, like two months after the Europe leg and, and I'm here in the Keys in Miami and, and I'll never forget it. It was, it was there. It was, it was super easy. Your first job. And Your first modeling. And I'll never forget. I was sitting in the dressing room where everyone changes outfits and I was, I was, it was a wrap and I'm just like sitting there and, and they're like, what did we agree on again? I'm like, uh, $10,000. And she wrote me a check for $10,000 and put me in the limo and I went home. I'm like, Wow. And you asked for way too low. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, who knows? I was like... He didn't know. But, like, I mean, no point of reference. I mean, no, you, you have nothing to... So, wait. That was your first modeling gig? First job. How, how many days? Two or three days? Like two days. Two days. <laughs> Ten Gs. Five grand a day. Uh, yeah. And no agent fee and nothing. So, I was like... Um, so, anyways, I got back and I'm like, wow, I should figure this out because there's... A lot going on and and so the only guy i knew in la who was kind of involved in fashion at the time was jeff novak you guys yeah know novak? yeah yeah so he's a photographer so, right he's a photographer and surfer. he was in the mix and surfer and he knew agents and he, he yeah great surfer he was on the tour and yeah. an old friend of gers and an old friend of um my good friend greg jensen and um so i i trusted him and so yeah, he walked me into an agency and I'm like, uh, hi, I'm nobody, but I just booked the, the national Ralph Lauren campaign and I just did this editorial, I have nothing else. Yeah. And, and hold on a second. <laughs> so you did the Rolling Stones thing, you get all these calls and you, you, your first thing was the Ralph Lauren thing? Yeah. Okay. And it was a net, what, what was it like? It was there. It was a, a national catalog. Or it was like a, a campaign. Honestly, I don't know. They they usually do, and they they'll they'll distribute the photos that go to billboards, print, 
probably catalog. I'm, yeah. I'm sure I didn't. I didn't have a contract. You know, as I learned as time goes on, you know, you learn, yeah. yeah. learn about buyouts. You learn about residuals. Residuals. You learn about build all the levels. If it ends up on uh, a hang tag, if it ends up on a billboard, if it yeah. ends up, there's all these different layers to to generate more money. Yeah. Um, if you, you know, happen to be used in the stuff, so. So yeah, I learned really quick, and this is you know ninety five ish, and then I got um, you know got really good representation at that point. Um, who who's your uh, agency? I was with Next. Oh yeah, and, they're big. And uh, yeah, Elite and Next, and then you get a I got an agent in Paris, and I got an agent in New York, and an agent in L A, and then Hans is so hot right now. In, uh, <laughs> In Miami, they're all different markets, so they, all those things kind of tear off. So, but I got really lucky in that sense because uh, Ralph Lauren basically goes, "Hey, we got you. We have you know, you have Dillard's, you have you know, Neiman Marcus, you have Macy's. All these all these stores, they all need that one shot for every season of a polo guy. So I, you know, we had this like super. I had a really simple like." It was like a contract to go and do all this stuff, and the day rate was insane. And so, uh, wait, catalog these, shoots for those catalogs for all for the, those all the major department yeah. stores. Would would you shoot for each department store, or yeah, they would? Wow. So each one pick you up, but you had to be polo approved. So so I was on this short list of guys. So like, oh, you've so I had this like this this uh, niche for a little bit but then I was also doing everything I was doing Nautica and doing uh, I wasn't exclusive so I was able to do you know Ray-Ban I did Calvin Klein and you know like there was campaigns kind of like how Evan Mock is doing now you yeah. know like he did really well and I've watched I was like and you know like I think Luke Davis might have had a little run you know yeah but these guys were these guys, you know, the new school, they, they promote it. They make more of it. I was kind of a little shy about it. I was like, dude, I don't want my bros to see me doing this. So <laughs> I was always happy when shoots kind of went under the radar, to be honest. I wasn't like, yeah, rah, rah. But I did love putting those checks in the bank. Fuck yeah. And yeah. Then, and Are then, you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah, you're like, I just won a three-star this uh, weekend. I didn't even have yeah. to put a jersey on. I just won a five-star <laughs> this next week. Yeah. I didn't even have to put on. I didn't even have to go anywhere everything was paid I got a per diem first gotta, class limo I gotta food. tell you though Ted <laughs> Robinson is the funniest person because he gave up that life he was pro surfer right and he went to South Africa but he had a photo shoot in New York and he missed his heat by five hours and he quit modeling yeah <laughs> Because they wanted to extend his stay in New York a couple days, and he's like, okay, as long as I can make it there, and he missed his heat, and he's like, I'm and never going to miss a contest. I, yes. Ever again. Yeah. And, and I asked him, dude, why didn't you just model, like, off-season? Could I, could I give some advice to Ted Robinson? Ted's <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, a legend. I love Ted. Yeah, and, for sure. And he's such a good surfer and all that, but uh, hey, man, at, at that point, <clears throat> which was kind of a the writing was kind of on the wall because I was gonna miss heats you yeah. know and um, and and the money was that good and and then you know I was kind of looking I had to once again reassess like am I the contest guy am I gonna qualify this year no I'm 70th on the ratings right now you know like I'm missing things yeah but you could still become that 
Surfer. Still surfer. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, what what do you what is your you know? Yeah. What what is the what is what is the? And well, we all like to compete. I like I do enjoy competing. I still love to compete. I mean, we all. I, I like to do that, but um, yeah, it was a. It was a it was a turning point to have those resources and. It was kind of cool at that point too. O'Neill was with uh, O'Neill US, and at that point, because they're like, "Oh, I remember this guy Yost comes into my hotel room in Hawaii, and he's like, hey, I want to sign you for O'Neill Europe,' because we do a whole different thing. We're, you're going to do a commercial with Malia Jones here. You're going to go with Jay Moriarty and Wingnut and do this.' And it was kind of more this Gosh. different type of surf contract. How psyched are you? So I was like, and I'm all, well, I need a surf travel fund and I need a salary and I need this. And he's like, yeah, as long as you do X, X, and X. So yeah. I found a lucky niche outside of the US market and it kind of complemented what they needed to do and what I wanted to do. And so at that point I was like, oh, it's on, you know? So like at that point I started to do a lot of free surfing trips and, and uh, um, which was just insane because I just, Surfing with people I, you know, love to surf with. You know, surfing with the best surfers yeah. in the world, and then getting to go on these, sh- you know. And for me, I wanted to see everywhere. You know, just yeah. like so, you know, that kind of kicked off that chapter of like trying to visit new places. Kind of like the, you know, it's like the bucket office, list. Just the bucket list. Well, you 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 brought up a good point earlier. Like at the end of the day, you still got to provide for yourself and stuff. And you knew the competitive world wasn't satisfying yeah. your needs, but. Now you found this niche where you're like, now I have the means to go. I don't have to. But he was uh, not proud of it. <laughs> I, no, for sure. No, I was. I was. I was proud of it. I mean, there was a. I mean, in the beginning, right? It, but like, was it? It's not. It's not one of those careers a male model to really like hit your chest about. You no, know? but right. But but going back to you know, you have a lot of friends you're traveling with, and they're cutthroat. Like, oh, this contract's expiring. I don't know if I'm gonna get sponsored again. And you saw the struggles of your friends who were going through everything that you were until this modeling gig. Now you're you're he like was, you, you're, you're so blessed to have that. You know, I'll never opportunity. Yeah, yeah. That, like brings me to a classic story like that. It's like I'll never forget. We're in Argentina. We do the. Remember when the tour used to go to Uruguay and Argentina? Oh, yeah, the, tri- the, the, the Reef Triple Crown. The Reef Triple Crown. Woo-hoo! Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Very so nice. The, yeah. Become Not the waves. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So we we're, were on the Reef Triple Crown in Uruguay. And yeah, I'll never forget. I was like, you know, me and Pete Rocky were like sharing this little room. And, and, uh, and my agent calls. They're like, oh, Bruce Weber's in town and, and he wants to use you for a, a, a Lomo Vogue editorial. And and can you be there? I'm like, yeah, I just lost my heat, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I'm there. And I'm like, we're just like in this little shithole hotel, you know, eating off street carts and doing our, you know, just QS style. Yeah, grinding. Movie, grinding. Yeah. And then like Pete's like, okay, I'm all dude. I, I gotta go. I'm sorry, man. I'll, don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'll keep my, my part of the room. I agreed. You know, rent a car. It's fine. He's like, like yeah, but I gotta go for a couple of days or whatever. I'm gonna do this thing, and then, you know, they pick you up in a limo. Yeah, a day later, you know, I'm just like sitting there at this party, and there's like fireplaces on both sides, and all these dignitaries and models and all these things and guys like with plates of food and 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 then like this girl Valeria Maza and. Uh, She's this big Argentinian star, and then this other Stella Tandon. She was the big model from London, and and Bruce is there, and like, and he's just like basically 
swept me away on this like three day editorial thing. We're on a boat. We didn't sleep for two days and we're like going out to these islands and then coming back to these places and going to these nightclubs and and I was just Man. Like, like, what the hell is going on? And then and then I just pretty much like drop back on the QS tour. Like, oh Petey. Like you just don't even know my double life I'm living and what you know what I'm elbowing with on the you know affluent no, but, and money but it's like let's go surf. stardom yeah let's go surf like you you are really like rags to you, riches you, to rags to like, riches like you're qs and all of a sudden you're kelly slater for three days and then, and then you're back to the qs like yeah. you're back to I, was, I, I think that's the best way to live one foot in the limo one in the gutter yeah <laughs> keeps right. you keeps you rooted yeah. no but what an amazing experience and Dude. how how that timing works up like you're you're down in argentina and then this opportunity I, arises I, that's just crazy it really pisses me off to hear how fucking lucky yeah you got yeah you know because there's so many how many aspiring models are there right millions like millions yeah. trying to do what you did without you, trying without trying <laughs> <laughs> being a surfer i mean we talk about you know how you know fortunate we are to 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 you know, like surfing and the, and the, the, the world that draws towards our culture and our lifestyle and, yeah. you know, what yeah. we do. And how long did you do that for? Well, I'm just kind of flashing. Like, He's still doing it. You know how large, you know, it's just like dialing in like that barrel of your life at back door. Oh, it just happened. Just happens. You know, like the, the, the stars align. Double, double spit out. The stars align. And some, it happens when you least expect it. And yeah, that's the beauty of surfing and, and, you know you approach life with like that open mind and you try to uh yeah just just ride the wave ride the wave yeah. that's it i mean and so uh, you you were kind of another face for ralph lauren and you were doing modeling for other big yeah companies. it was it was just a yeah it was a role and you know to sum up that chapter it was it was an incredible growing experience because i got a operate in a lot of big productions i got to work with a lot of creatives and you know more as a fly on the wall you know i'd be a subject but at the same time you're, you're kind absorbing of you're absorbing yeah. all that information you're so learning I, a lot under i understood how a set worked i understood how production worked i understood how photography you know learned a lot about photography and, and, and lighting and then and then all those friends like i made so many friends that were uh still to this day are, are a part of my life like and it's just like any good ride you gotta kind of know how to when to kick out and uh you know i had a ride basically till september 11th you know that that day kind of changed new york forever you know and uh and um you know that was like just kind of like the writing on the wall you know it's kind of like we we had this run and and it was never a, an ambition of mine to do it and 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 I've, I mean, obviously, if I got a call tomorrow, I'd still show up. Like, oh, you're gonna get a lot of calls after it. this interview. <laughs> yeah, guys, if you guys are still looking, uh, fifty-year-old washed-up hand model. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, you know, it was, uh, it was just one of those good rides, and I have nothing but like gratitude and uh, and uh, and and just say yeah, I learned a lot you know, yeah. I, you yeah. know I, grew, I grew through it and it was cool exposure that I would never have had otherwise you know grinding it out on the QS yeah. Yeah. or 
whatever might have come next. I was, you know, all I knew is I kind of put the means in front of the ends. Yeah. And I wanted to be a surfer. And this just somehow fit into my life story. That's amazing. Dude, like, very few have done that. And, and, and I and mean, smart about it. And they're smart about it. But going back to, like, you travel the world doing these photo shoots. Like, was there a, like, were you able to bring your board or were they just quick one, two days or were you on location where you're like, Oh, I'm bringing my board. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, Oh yeah. We, cause yeah, you know, yeah, I, I, so I had this French client who hired me to go to Mauritius Island. Awesome. To stay at club med to go surf. And I'm like, my agent hated me, but I like stuck my wife, Carla on the trip <laughs> and, and I'm like, pack my boards and we're in Fiji actually and we're in Tavarua and then and she I'm like meet me at the airport we're going to which didn't make any sense travel wise but I wanted to pick up my stuff and pick her up and yeah and so I'm like we're going to we're going to Mauritius you know and and so I took her to Mauritius and then I remember calling Rob Machado I'm like hey what, what's what's reunion like what should I do and it was so cool like we would turn it into a full surf trip to reunion cool you know in Fiji Mauritius reunion and had this like killer and then we ended up in London and then France and turned into this whole trip you know yeah. and and yeah it was all you know kind of dude, parlay the ultimate mixing business with pleasure right there that's it dude for sure that's all surfers want to do is yeah. mix business with pleasure and that's what I was, that's why I brought up like you know where were you on location where do where you you know some of these spots because I mean <laughs> most photos you know, you see, and then these luxury like coastlines, yeah. and like you know, you had to go somewhere good. Mauritius yeah. is not a bad spot to, you know, take a trip. To model, to model, <laughs> and then reunion. Yeah, and, and then I did one one for uh, uh, Banana Republic, and this guy James Bocaro from Santa Barbara. He's a producer guy. He produces a bunch of stuff, and he's like, "You're gonna trip on the location," and we're like, "Show up!" And I barely had any shots, and he's like. Hey, look down here, and it was like you know the Santa Barbara. It's a private ranch, not Hollister, but another one. And there's like a six foot right right there <laughs> for two days. And he's just like, "I'm on. When's my lunch break?" But anyways, yeah, I surfed surfed my brain down. I literally surfed like four or five hours, two days straight, and did the campaign in between. You know, just like, okay, better get this like punic thing off. Yeah, you know, like yeah. the whole. Sun suntan face, white neck, like anyways, but yeah. Just yeah. like the stylists are like, we don't even need to touch your hair, it's all it's yeah. all like <laughs> You can't do anything to this. Hey, Lennon was a model. You know I'm that? Not a model. Yeah. No. Yeah, Levi's, right? Weren't you in a Levi's ad? Yeah. Yeah. Commercial, not ad. Oh commercial. Yeah. So See? yeah. So this guy over here. So they can relate. <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> They no, but the drill like show up and blow up, dude. That was the luckiest thing ever, and I wish I would have pursued it harder, but I didn't pursue it. But that's how life life works, right? Yeah. But that was, dude. The money is crazy, but your money is like, yeah, crazy. And were you? I mean, I'm sure you 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 traveled and you did all you know, and you lived large but were you able to set money aside and you know a little bit i mean i uh i i yeah i mean you were young i'd I'd imagine we would you hey uh, like you said this magazine trip's coming here or i want to go meet my friends in indo or i'm going to go here like it gave you the means to live out your your surfing dream yeah a lot of me was yeah living uh you know i always look at life like you got to live retirement in reverse because 
once you're retired, you're, I don't really believe in the ideas of retirement, but like. Oh, we're never retiring. Yeah. We're, I, I love work and I love doing stuff that, you know, but it's so great as a surfer to, to live. You've got to live out your prime surfing yeah. and traveling because otherwise you're not going to get that back. You never get that back. No. So, you know, I always acknowledge that and like, it's like, okay, I'm just going to suck every moment out of this, this whole experience. And, and, and yeah, like hit that bucket list mentality on, on, on surf exploration and, and go all those places you dreamed of. And, and, uh, so that, that was where a lot of the, the resources went, but I was also lucky cause I got picked up by Quicksilver at that time. And, and that after that, O'Neill, after or? O'Neill. Yeah. And then, you know, in that administration and that was really cool. Like, you know, the Taylor Wisnan era of Quicksilver and, and they were on really on a crazy arc going up as well. And, and it was just a supportive environment and they both, both sides of the coin kind of work. Cause I started to get show up in more movies and show up in more surf movies and magazines. And because I was out there doing it and, um, and yeah, it was, it was cool. Like Chris, Chris Malloy kept inviting yeah. me on trips or, or, or Teddy Grambo or Gerlach and like, there was a lot of things going on where we could yeah. go and, and get out there and and, uh, and I, I think Quicksilver obviously was like you said was on the up and up but they they came from an era where you know it was hey world champion contest surfers but they got to a point where they're like you know we exploration we need these yeah. we need these it's lifestyle awesome, dudes right? yeah we need you know we need more faces and you know we need we need to embrace that surf culture and not you know but they were one of the few brands that were big enough to like hey we're gonna we're gonna sponsor all these events. We're gonna we're gonna sponsor these you know lifestyle surfers. We're gonna do the crossing yeah. and, and explore exploration. Yeah. They, they were on point. Can, going back to two thousand and one nine eleven, right? That's yeah. when you decided to quit it. I didn't quit it. It kind of quit. It just slowed down to a point. And at that point, I was getting direct bookings, which uh, I, I it was like such a funny thing because I, I played hard to get because I was just such a surfer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was always- and they like, watch you even more. I, I, I was kind of like, I, it was it was real. I, I, I did I did play hard to get. I didn't want to go to, like, if you, oh, go see, you know, hire me or not hire me kind of yeah. attitude. I, I, and it was not out of um, thinking I'm the man or cocky. I just love to surf and I, I had, I had you're making enough money I plans. Yeah. So it kind of, it ended up working out, creating a little bit of that, uh, mystique in a way. And, uh, and then, and then, yeah, then, it, once nine 11 came around and then my agents are like, Hey, you got to go to a casting and you know, this isn't this. And the, the money's less. And, and I kind of looked around and I, I knew I needed some, 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 I didn't need change. I mean, obviously if the phone kept ringing, I'd keep showing up, but yeah, just, slowed down like production just slowed down and uh that's and interesting I, I never would have thought but i again you know after 9 11 yeah the whole world had a you know full down. shut down and reset and you know and there's very few guys also age plays a factor because you know not for buzzy curve no no i was gonna mention buzzy buzzy curve <laughs> but he played hard to get too yeah he, he played he's like hey i'm you know I'm i got i got a sunset contest i'm doing like you're gonna have to push it back and he told Ralph Lauren, like they pushed it back a week and they're like, hey, we're gonna sign you, but you're never doing that again. We tell you freaking, you show up, you're showing up. And he looked at the contract, he's like, okay, I'm showing up. Well, yeah, probably brought the value of the contract up too. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Um, so, so so that, yeah, that, that happened. And then, yeah, I saw that and then, yeah, not, you know, Buzzy, Buzzy had that, that look, 
you know, certain guys that, that stay in it and they could go and they're all of a sudden the, the, the father figure. And, you know, I did some Father's Day stuff, but I was kind of aging into, um, I don't know where I, just, I, anyways, I just didn't feel it. I just, it was just like, and I, I didn't, it just slowly kind of just faded away. And yeah, it's like not one of those things that. You touched on something fascinating, like you're in that, that era of age group where it's like, you're not like the young you know i don't know what age you were at 20 yeah i was at, in my like what mid 20s but 20s you know as far as the editorial and looking at magazine or our content for these designers yeah you got that like father figure kind of rustic like older dude and you got the like pretty boy young face so yeah i mean you're still handsome at 50 you know i'm just saying but there it's kind of that weird where maybe yeah. it was just the timing was just right for you to do something different yeah and that was to start a family you know i at that point, I mean, right around 2001, you know, I yeah, I was still doing a lot of good surf trips and 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 life was life was super good. And then I fell in love and around '98 and uh, and and yeah, so that was taking a turn. And she she had a lot to offer. She's you know, uh, great lady. Had a lot of stuff going on too. Great girl. And and so we were collaborating with life a lot more too. So so yeah, it moved into you know, I had my first child when I was. Uh, in 2005 you know so yeah right around there it was just kind of like you know some growing that was like late 20s early 30s yeah and uh but it was cool i was, I was riding for uh silver edition you know um that, that was cool they aged me into another kind of you know yeah, quick, quick silver, of your... quick silver had that and, and and my wife was a part of that she was doing the shoots i was doing the shoots and then we had travel and we you know the quick silver crossing this was going just, so your wife is in the industry too she's uh she's a singer by trade mm. but um yeah she's she was able quicksilver put her in put her in their you know a lot of their shoots and stuff then and oh cool um and she yeah at that point we were traveling a lot and and yeah just kind of starting that that chapter and uh but yeah i was still yeah i was still on the road a ton you know i but, still you yeah know. this guy went from like extension pro surfing to like the silver edition years of like just and, went milking it i love it yeah then i went to honolulu yeah honolulu I, didn't, I didn't really get a real job till i was 40. <laughs> <laughs> must be real no not i mean that's, that's the dream right <laughs> what are you uh surfer <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is it, you know it's I, you know if, if someone asks like advice on that it's like you got to be able to know how to walk the the, the fringe yeah. and if yeah. you're willing to take that risk and you're willing to extend your credit you know there's you know you're willing to sleep your car extend your credit cards not have job security you're willing to you know walk on that fringe yeah then maybe luck will shine your way. Maybe it won't. I, it doesn't work out for everybody. I yeah. always, you know, I always thought everyone's like two bad moves away from homelessness. Yeah. You know, that's a great, and you're, and, and, and you're I always knew about that. It's always, always dangerous. Like, yeah. dude, you can't, and then I, you know, I, you look around and you're like, God, you know, I, I don't know. We've all fancy we're young. Oh, we could be this feral guy. Oh, I could live in Australia forever. Oh, I could just go to Indo and just do six months and, you know, and, and, but I, anyways, love and family and all that kind of grounded me. But at the same time, I was, you know, at the beginning and, and I was still figured out what to do with life. And I was, you know, still riding that fringe and, and, and there was still at least enough money coming in to to keep the dream alive. And um, 
and and surf and you know I've always had a work ethic I've, I've you know on the side I've always done other things whether it's managing bands and tours or producing what? events and wait yeah, what and or these movie projects like the you know we could go into that like like I've always kind of so wait how what do you mean you manage bands well like uh, you know like Taylor Hawkins from the Foo Fighters yeah has a side band called Chevy Metal and <laughs> and we we used to tour that band and he always put me in charge of all their bookings and touring but it was more of like hey it's a good excuse to get the boys together and go do something yeah but it turned into a lot more than that you know like they got their band got in a lot of demand and and so so anyways i i handle yeah a bit of that i mean what, what a great role because you, you, you are a travel agent for yourself for many yeah. many many years and you know the the inner workings of like what it takes to you know choreograph hotel and flights and travel and all of this and here you are getting paid to do it for others like <laughs> yeah that just fell into your lap like yeah, it's just kind of a. It was a hustle, you know. Yeah. And he's a, he's my best friend, you know, since since forever and uh, since second grade. And um, anyways, I've always and he's just my guy. I, I like Foo Fighters. The yeah, drummer? he's the drummer yeah. for the Foo Fighters. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's always been a hustle. You know, it sounds it sounds pretty looks pretty good in photos and on paper but yeah you know it is always on the fringe and it is a hustle and, and late nights and grind and yeah like living out of a suitcase is yeah all of that and then yeah yeah the security thing comes and goes you know it's uh what a different world though like from the surf world right like yeah i mean a, a big part of it too is my wife's musical or both her siblings are musical and um so yeah, back back right around that time when I met her, you know, and I've always been I I a huge fan of music. I do a ton of research. I've always read every rock magazine start to finish every doc and I figure out who their influences are and mm. all all genres of music and I've always been really inspired by music and uh and you know, so I ended up marrying a musician. I yeah, I play you know, I grew up playing saxophone and in the marching band and the jazz band and then moved on to, you know You ever play the accordion? I barely play the accordion. It's hard. I hate the accordion. It is so hard. I mean I played for twelve years my <laughs> wife made me. Wow. That's that's a yeah, it's a hard it's like a it's the stupidest <laughs> instrument ever created. But it's a combination of the, of the piano and, and a wind instrument and, and a percussion and yeah. it's everything. Yeah. 12 years. <laughs> Torture? Fuck. <laughs> it was hell. I got kicked out of the house twice because I didn't want to play it. Wow. Yeah. Why was yeah. she so dead set on the accordion? I don't know. <laughs> she thought it'd keep me in tr out of trouble, but... Yeah, that didn't work. But boy, was I always in trouble. <laughs> now... Uh, do, do chicks dig accordion players? <laughs> I was saying, did you track? Answer that yourself. Come on. I don't track think many no, people no, even no. know what it is. I don't even think I would have known what it is unless this guy played Bro. it at our at our Christmas Christmas Huntington Service Sport yeah. Christmas party. This guy goes up and does a solo up there. Like <laughs> it, he was a little rusty. It took him to you know yeah. he, he did practice a few months before or at least we a gotta, few weeks. We gotta turn the mic. This is now now Lindman's the most interesting man in the world. No way, no way. Hans Haas Hagen. Yeah, there's no way. So so, uh, what other side crazy jobs did you do besides modeling? And then now you were a tour manager. 
Yeah, and then I got into, well, even dating back to World Jungle days, I always liked to make films and, uh, and do the music supervision and uh, produce. I like producing and, and writing treatments and, you know, creating, just creating stuff and putting stuff on the map and, and carrying a message or a storyline. And, you know, I was dabbling in uh, journalism wow. while I was on, on tour just to pay the bills. So I'd do, you know, field reporting and... For magazines. Yeah, just like surfer and surfing and, huh. you know, wave action. Anyone who would pay me a few hundred bucks to write an article, I would. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so that was kind of all part of it. I knew I wasn't, like, <clears throat> sitting on some big contract that I'm going to retire from. And so I was always trying to learn new skills along the way. And, and, and yeah, it, just, it, was, it, was, it was a hustle, you yeah. know. Um, but it was also a creative outlet. And, and I always loved, loved the idea of... of yeah, just using using your creativity and 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 I like like love writing and and so yeah, so it led led to producing and, and working on films. Uh, so that that led me, you know, like right around then, I think it was two thousand five. I got hired. Well, I was working with the Malloys, like with Chris when when he was doing all the storyboarding, building thicker than water, and um, that was his first film, kind of his breakout film, and I was kind of staying with him a lot in Hawaii and so he's like I got an idea because he broke his leg and he was uh, sketching out these movie ideas and so it's cool to watch that process and I already made a couple movies before then too and so so anyways I yeah it was pretty cool to be a part of that and then you know we're at that point we're doing a lot of traveling you know we went to India for Thicker Than Water and so you um, were part of that whole movie yeah well he was a fourth Malloy I know but I didn't know that (laughs) that's crazy that's so Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I went on that first surf trip with, you know, uh, it was on that trip, uh, Chris and Noah Johnson. Well, no, that was another trip. That was uh, Aaron Lambert and uh, James Caddo and Josh Bradbury and um, Sam George. And yeah, we did this killer trip to India to this waves no one's ever surfed in the Spice Islands. Was that the Spice Islands? No, that was the Andaman Islands. And uh, yeah, it was a wild trip. Thicker waters. Yeah, Jack Johnson was the such D- a he was amazing, the DP then. Yeah, and that's such a an amazing th- movie. Oh man, for sure. And then you did Shelter too. Yep, yep. I worked on Shelter with the uh, I surfed in it. You know, both those. I mean, I got a bunch of waves in there, and then uh, oh hell yeah, you did. And, <laughs> but no, I helped with the music, and um, yeah, a little bit of kind of a little of everything. Chris was Chris and Carla. Carla was roommates with my wife Carla. At the time, so we were always hanging out. His wife's Carla, too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. CC. CC Factory. Um, yeah. But anyways, yeah, so yeah, it was cool. He was always inspiring. He's kind of on a roll and starting to get the Moonshine Conspiracy going. And, and it was cool to be a part of that, you know, because they always had a lot of uh, cool things going on, you know. And there's three of them, you know, Dan, Keith, and Chris. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot going on. Those guys, you know, they covered a lot of ground. And at that point, I could kind of touch on, you know, touch on different trips. Oh, you're going to Ireland. I'll, I'll come to Ireland. Yeah. You're going over here. I'll go there. Um, so anyways, yeah, that was a, a really cool chapter. But it kind of led to those creative endeavors. So, yeah, when the Moonshine Conspiracy was kind of launching, I was a part of that and helping with music. And uh, and at that time, yeah, in India, it was kind of interesting because Jack Johnson was the DP. And, and he was filming everything. And he wrote... This whole album on that trip, so you know, crazy. right 
before when G Love, before G Love broke, uh, was it Rodeo Clowns? His first breakthrough song, um, like as I just parted G Love's record, and then like he kind of came back from that trip and wrote all these songs, and then just blew up after yeah, that, yeah. you know, which is uh, it's pretty cool. Every time I hear a Jack, I'm like, oh, it's kind of neat to hear it and have that context of. It's funny how yeah. a trip will inspire you to create so much, you know, ideas and you know new new opportunities. Well, yeah, I mean, being being around all those creative people too, but yeah. you know, like again, the common denominator is surfing, and you guys are here jet setting around, <laughs> just you know, being surfers, and you know, you're putting out good content, whether it's a movie, he's putting out good music because he's you know phenomenal musician and singer, and it's just the way you know that all works together is just crazy. Yeah, you know, like what a great group of you know humans, you know, but I mean. You yeah. guys are scoring ways. I mean, I mean, at the bottom line, you know, like, yeah, we talk about, you know, getting that perfect ride and, and search for perfect waves, and I mean, that's our that's our our goal in life is to continue that search and yeah. and to keep surfing. And you know, here you are going to like places that it's not on the map of like what you see in magazines and traditional spots like Indo and and you know and Tahiti and, and Fiji. It's like. Yeah. Wait, you're on the islands in India? Or yeah. Ireland wasn't really on the map back then, really. Yeah. It's kind of more underground. No, I, I think you touched on a good point about just the, the collective of like creatives and, and people and, and good people. Good people. It's most, most importantly yeah. is like surrounding yourself with good people and then with, where their branches lead and, and connectivity. And, and, and you know, if you spread your wings into New York or you spread your wings outside of your comfort zone and then bring that in and then... You know, there's this. There was a lot of lot of that, and a lot of uh, people who are willing to ride on that fringe to create and 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 take risks and 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 do creative endeavors. And it was it's really neat to see you know those 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 one in a million stories kind of continue to develop yeah. um, around you. And and this is ev- you know this is this is just amongst a, a few talented people. And I know this happens to people all over. There's creatives doing really well and 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 so many people have created so many things out of this this surfing world you know and people who love surfing who are you know the highest of arts you know the guys like julian schnabel or um you know you can just think of like different different guys who've who've fed off of surfing and they're highly successful and creative um but yeah i feel like that group had a lot of a lot of synergy and they're willing to to put themselves out there and put their money on the line and their time on the line and uh, and create and uh, yeah so it, it's just it's cool yeah. it's cool to see over years now you know now that we're all getting a little bit of perspective to look back and uh, kind of see the catalyst you know and yeah. like that 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 chapter is like a bit of a catalyst yeah it's surprising how interactive you've been behind the scenes that I've never you know I never knew all that about you you know like being part of coming out of those movies for World Jungle and then partaking in the thicker than water and shelter stuff that's that's insane yeah so so after Honolulu Surf Company you finally had to get a job or what yeah I was figuring things out and yeah fast forward into um, yeah 2000 2010 2011 uh yeah i got a call from kalani rob and and my good friends uh james and charlie dunlop 
who started a biotech company who are in diagnostics. Charlie Bean, they're both surfers, lifelong surfers, and uh, <clears throat> Charlie was a physicist. Um, and like very unconventional in a sense, um, was a high school dropout, ended up down at UCSD, paying his way through college, sleeping on the bench, really gritty, gritty individual. Um, and he got to study under Kerry Mullis, who's a really world-renowned scientist out of uh, Scripps. And uh, so anyways, his, he, fast, fast forward later, he started this, this diagnostics company. He was one of the first to sequence the genome, which has changed you know, science and healthcare for forever now. And then he wow. was also the first to diagnose a CFTR test, which is the first uh, genetic test for cystic fibrosis. You know, which is like testing genes, you know, the genome, and then you, you'll see mutated genes. So he started, you know, he said, there's only one way. You're either going to be a researcher or you're going to be an entrepreneur. He went the entrepreneurial route and started a company, Amri, which was named after his dog. And so anyways, fast forward, they started Maliola because they found a connection between cystic fibrosis and surfing. There's surfers in Australia, the New England Journal of Medicine, Put out this, published this article that surfers are living longer, and so hell yeah, <laughs> we're howling out today, boys, <laughs> out there. Yes, we are, and and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna keep doing it till we die. Yes, but um, but we're living longer. We're living longer, and uh, so yeah, they had this the first. It was like two thousand eight. They like well shit. Let's just we don't have a nonprofit, but let's let's get some kids with cystic fibrosis and let's fly in Jamie O'Brien. He just won the Pipe Masters. Let's see if he comes in, and, and, and so he came in. They're old friends, and uh, and uh, so Jamie did the first day with like Cordell Miller and all these guys. And um, anyways, so it went from kind of a novel idea to surfing and a few other people doing an article on it, and then the phone kept ringing and those guys started a nonprofit. You know, they're like, wow, we should start a nonprofit. And uh, that was kind of another idea. You know, like one of those things, like you put the cart in front of the horse, they're just entrepreneurs trying to figure shit out and then boom, all of a sudden they have this nonprofit. And anyways. Can I interrupt? So they put an event together to show... To take kids with cystic fibrosis surfing as a natural therapy. Okay. Because they read an article out of this New England article yeah, saying that yeah, yeah. the Surfers solve the movement, the ocean, like it just it's it's good for the body. Yeah, yeah, it helps them expel mucus. It helps them limit infection. Cardio is a really big part of it. You know, just the, the mental health, like yeah, doing your first duck dive, like the water, it's like uh, being baptized. Yeah, every time you go in the water. So, you know, they've that connection was was pure through and through and it was proven you know the when they're at home and they're doing treatments they have a a a chest thing that shakes their their chest and and a vest and then it helps do that and then they put on a a saline mist that's exactly like the surface layer the foam mist of the ocean and and the saline helps them expel mucus wow so surfing is just like this great natural natural therapy for them um so I, I found I was kind of in that crossroad. I'm like, God, what do I do? Um, but I was like, I had some time, and, and we just had kids, and and I'm like, well, let's. They asked me to come on their first national tour, and that was that was really interesting for a Howley to do. 
because I got, got on that bus and it was like all the heavies of Hawaiian Hawaii, you know, like they oh. they they had an idea. They named it a Hawaiian name, Mauiola, which means breath of life. Tom Stone coined the name, um, and they thought kind of like the message of the Duke, or they did think like the death message of the Duke. It should all things surf related that's going to go global and help people should come from Hawaii. Yeah. Hawaii is the birthplace of surfing. How cool! I want to get wow. I want to get it blessed by the, the the tribal elders, and Tom Stone's like it has to be Mauiola. So. Okay, so the two guys that started it are brothers? They're brothers, yeah. Okay. The Dunlop brothers who are, were, you know, went to Laguna Beach High School. And, uh, yeah, so guys I grew up with, same generation. And, um, and and the guy was a physicist. Yeah. And with, and the brother, other brothers, what? He just, he was the uh, businessman. He helped uh, help build the company. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, they're two two brothers, and that's a whole other story. Who gave them the idea of of making it Hawaiian themselves? Themselves, or? they're wow. both lifelong surfers. They're really close with uh, Tim Reardon. I don't know if you guys know Tim, Tim Reardon. Yeah. He was a creek. He was a pro at yeah. one point. Uh, film. He was really close with Eddie Rothman, and uh, and really tied in. And those guys always win. They always used to sleep on Eddie's couch and like the Dunlops. Yeah, they you know Eddie. Oh, science guys. You know, <laughs> what's up? You know, but he—they're givers. They're—they're they're givers. Yeah. They, they they're uh, they're really salt. You know, like like salt of the earth, and they're they're uh, they're they're just they're always generous. They had something yeah. to offer. They had not, they didn't want to take anything, and uh, so anyways, they always had, they were pretty deeply tied in, and um, so that's that's how it kind of all happened. And they met you know they met Buttons, they met Reno, and they met all these guys kind of like uh, historical legends, you know, and then Sonny and and. You know, the list goes on. Kala, you know, Kala's a big part of Eddie's life. And, and, and Eddie's looking at it like, wow, this could be a really positive thing for our culture, you know, for, for the culture of Hawaiian. Yeah, for spread, aloha and, spread and, aloha and help something people. bigger than, yeah. than all of us, you know. So <clears throat> that's the inception of Maliola, and that's why it has a Hawaiian name. And, uh, and it means breath of life. So, so, uh, so anyways, fast forward, I end up flying to Texas to meet up with the guys and it's it's Makua and it's Kala Alexander and it's Sonny Garcia and it's uh, Kainoa McGee and Magalenas and Jason Magalenas and yeah. uh, I'm trying all, to think I remember like the early days of like yeah Mick O'Brien yeah. he's like he's still on our board of directors um, and anyway so that was an early I was just like oh cool I'm like hanging out with all these guys and, and it was You're just uh, part of the party I was part of it and, yeah. and it was it was you know obviously an honor I was always I got to say I back my head I was always a little scared of those guys and and they brought me in like family and we did something bigger than us and 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 you know we we had this common bond and we got a tour of the country in a good way and visit kids in children's hospitals and then take kids surfing and then you know we all got along and and did a did a really cool tour and uh and that was and in Kal- 2011 that was like 2010 10. and then yeah kalani rob was in in charge he was kind of uh at that point in charge of the foundation so he was doing a lot of the behind the scenes stuff and kalani yeah until him. 2011 and then, and then anyways something anyways, he he started to rekindle his flame with the momentum crew and his surfing started take off again and I think yeah. he did this one trip to Indo and then he came back and he was like dude I want to surf 
And I looked at Clyde, I'm like, hey, you're not gonna be pissed if I take your job, right? And, and he's like, no, no, take it, you know, like run with it, you got it. I'm like, yeah, it's, I mean, I was looking at him, I saw my wheelhouse, I, I produce events, I manage tours, I know all the surfers, I like helping people, you know, I was like, I got tentacles, I know people in New York, I know people in LA, I'm outside of the industry too. And so that was a, what a perfect scenario. It was a good chapter, it wasn't not easy. I had a crash course in business and, and nonprofit work and and Charlie was really cool and James including me and like really, you know, um, high, you know, like these, these, you know, I was sitting on the shoulder of giants kind of, I was like sitting in meetings with these MDs and, and thought leaders and genetic counselors and going to like um, science and Like you're seeing their side shows. of business. And they 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 were on a trajectory of growth in their in their world like a crazy one and and so it was really neat like I at that point I just you know I was a student and I I, I learned I did my homework I found mentors I learned about it and uh, just started to navigate and learn and learn about the disease states and learn about everything and then in the code of ethics and HIPAA via you know like what's HIPAA oh yeah privacy rights you know like what can you do what can't you do you know and and. It's really sensitive. Health yeah. issues are really sensitive, and you know, to this day, twelve years without incident, uh, we've ran this you know great foundation. We do twenty surf days a year. We do twenty hospital visits, and uh, all of these other things in between. Um, I can only imagine like parents who or or people that yeah. have this ailment. They're like, well, we're going to take them surfing. We're going to do this, and you're like, you know, like that's so off of like the norm of treatment or their comfort zone, and. You know, just going through that process is probably, like you said, you got to dot your I's and cross your T's and make sure everybody's, you know, well taken care of. And you yeah. got to earn their trust. Yeah. And and it's it's a it's a crazy disease because they do uh, they they all have different mutations, so they can get each other sick. So, you know, flash forward to what we all just went through with COVID. So you go to a Maui Ola day for the last twelve years, like everyone is six feet separated. Everyone is hand sanitizing. We've been doing that for years. We sanitize the boards. If you change instructors, you change it. So the instructors stand over here. The the, the participants are over over there in every family. I gotta go and with the bullhorn and, and make sure they're separated. And then you sanitize your hands and you wash. So you everything. guys have been doing this forever. Yeah, it was like when COVID hit. I'm like, this is nothing new. Like, like this is we've been operating like this, you know. And the, the mask thing, like they they've been wearing masks and doing that and. You know, we we took a pause during COVID um, from the actual events. We did other things, awareness events, video contests. Um, I'm working on a virtual reality thing right now with Robbie Crawford, which is exciting. Oh, um, awesome! But, anyways, yeah, it's a uh, it's been a it's been a a cool a good place to keep keep uh, the stoke meter high. Yeah, you know. And do you think you got this like service kind of? part of your DNA from like your dad, like those early years of like, you know, him taking, taking people like, I mean, how did, you know, obviously, you know, this role is pretty unique, you know, to be able to, um, you know, you know, one, have a foundation that you're a part of, but like to continue it on and, and, you know, like it's, it's a lot, a lot of responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. But the reward's got to be tenfold, you know, when you see, you know, how it's helping and, and the stoke level of like all these people that would never touch the a board or the ocean. Yeah, I think I think one of the 
key elements to happiness is service, right? You know, yeah. like when you service others, you feel happy. If you have anxiety and you you do something for someone else, you forget about your anxiety, right? Um, I, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, maybe monetarily I'm not rich, but if I could afford the time to to give, then I'm living my dream. You know, I'm yeah. living I'm living a, a part of my best life by being able to give and think about giving and uh, and find new ways to give yeah. and create new ways to give. You know, and that's like the, the creative process of it and then the actual doing of it's the best part. Um, but I, yeah, I always wanted to have, I just feel like a big part of happiness is thinking of others. Yeah. That's, that's life. Yeah. I mean, you know, some, some get it, you know, some, some are, they fall in, forced into it. Some, you know, like it's just different stages of your life on how you come to that. But once, you know, once you do realize that feeling and you, and you get it and you're, you're, you know, it's like pay it forward. Like you mentioned earlier, you know, like well, I I've been so fortunate, you know, now it's my time to, you know, give, give back. What's crazy though, is when you, when you do realize that the, the reward is giving, right. Yeah. And the feeling of that, you know, when you give yourself of service, you, you get the reward of feeling, wow, you know, to see those kids smile and the parents be like, oh my gosh, you know, what an experience, uh, you know, you're making my kid smile, you know, for the first time in a long time, probably. And that's, that's the reward right there. Yeah. And it works both ways. I yeah. mean, the, the surfers are volunteers and the, the people involved too, you know, like they, they, it helps, helps provide a platform at least where they, they can feel a sense of contribution and purpose and then the kids get it too. And then you kind of see the dynamic and, you know, um, you know, we're not, we're not a church group. We're not a, this group. We, we let, we let people in, you know, yeah. like I don't look at their, their records. I don't, you know, unless, you know, obviously there's something really scary, yeah. like that's so you why know, did you child, but, Shreddy in there, Teddy Navarro. <laughs> exactly my point. Yeah. You let everybody in. No. We, we love, love you, Teddy. Shreddy. Yeah, um, Shreddy's my right hand man. He's been there. Yeah. He's been there a long time. Yeah, huh? he's been slugging it out with me ever since. He's been Yeah, he's working in the lab and working his way up and yeah, he just loves to surf. He's got a little longer leash lately cuz we 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 don't have to you know, we're all learning how to work remote now, so Yeah. You know, he's in charge of a bunch of stuff and keeping our social media super fresh. And um, no, I, yeah, I couldn't run it without him. I mean, yeah. he's, he's like my, my right hand man. Yeah, don't take away from his uh, Northside Barrel freaking sections, man. <laughs> that guy gets. How's that Surfline? That's Maliola brand equity right there. Yeah. Dude, how's that Surfline uh, edit of him? Oh, it's so good. Good. I love that guy. Such we a, we such need a that cross. Surfline edit. Yeah. Uh, right out front. Such a, a grom. I love that guy. So um, you've been doing that for how long now? Um, it's going on 11 years. Damn. Yeah. Congrats. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Thank you for your service. That's, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's just, I mean, amazing what that, you know, company's doing. And, you know, again, like giving opportunity for other people to, to you're bringing in, you know. Yeah. And no, we, and mind you, we, Ambry sold 
It doesn't matter. But doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We don't need to talk about that. Yeah. You cut that part out. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so what's 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 next for this Haas. and you, and what what do you what do you, what's what's going on? What can we what can we expect next? Hopefully, just more barrels. No, um, I yeah, I'm working on a couple. I'm developing a couple creative projects, kind of along the same vein, but. Um, Stuff, stuff like uh, in multimedia and 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 in, in animation and uh, education and science, sick and stuff that's surf related and 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 the world at large and uh, yeah, so that stuff you know those are those kind of I always have those dream ideas and then I have the the foundation going and then uh, yeah I got my place down in Chile I'm gonna finish building and hopefully have an eco resort down there like a little small nook place for guys to come and surf and Sweet. fly fish and mountain bike and snowboard and so yeah trying to create that and finally get some snow this week i'm all psyched on that one to go snowboard and, yeah 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 there's a big snowboarder yes are you going i am not next well next weekend yeah so like yeah i'll be right after the storm yeah not by not by chance but by design you know yeah keep it simple I'll get yeah. my kids through high school you know and uh yeah just try to stay healthy and keep surfing yeah that's what it's all about for sure so what, what kind of boards are you riding right now like what's your go-to you're still in xanadu's still riding xanadu's what's your uh, what's your quiver looking like it's uh it goes pretty deep right now i got like uh yeah a lot of things i mean i mean i love the x21 i love the pig 2 i love the uh zinc uh I ordered yeah, the one. Viper is mean. I got you know the triple X. Got some good guns. Got some good twins. Yeah, it's cool. You stick with the shaper for a long time. Yeah. You you dial in your equipment. You kind of have a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah. I've been riding uh, Tim stamps for a long time, and I don't really even tell him what to make me. I just tell him what sizes. Yeah, you know. But uh, we interviewed Xanadu, like we told you a couple months ago, and what. A rad fucking guy. Hey, I learned so much from your guys' podcast yeah. about Xanadu. <laughs> like, we don't have... I've never had the time yeah. to hear all those early stories. And, and I, tra I traveled a lot on his boards, right? Yeah. So he always looked at me and he, he was, he's one of those guys too. He's like an EJ and or... A, um, who else? I forgot who I mentioned. He's also like a Jack Denny. A guy who just jabs, yeah, and he always knows how to hit my like weak spots, and I could be on top of the world, and he'll like about a trip or work. He's like always asking, like, "How are you doing that? What are you doing? How are you doing it? Where you know like and like, how do you afford that? How do you do that?" And I'm like, "I don't know. You know, it's been kind of a wild ride. Yeah, it's an unconventional wild ride. I don't know. Am I born done yet? <laughs> yeah." He, he is a uh, unique. How crazy is it to learn that? No, his story. Yeah. And now, now I'm, I got perspective from yeah. Late Night at Chalky podcast. Thank you. I have perspective yeah. on someone who's been dear to me since 1994. Yeah. And now I know yeah. because of you guys. Thank you. Our well, show's pretty funny that way. Yeah. You know? I mean, you know, we, we like how, you know, everybody's referenced because we're all part of a surfing tribe and a community and, and you know, paths cross and, and bonds are formed and, and, you know, whether it was 
formed just recently or 20 years ago, like there's a lot of similarities between, you know, like relationships and how, you know, but the people's journey, like I, I would have never known Xanadu. Xanadu like we know him and, yeah. and that's, that's our outlet for the podcast is tell people's journeys and inspire and, you know, hopefully open eyes to get out their comfort zone and try yeah. something new and different. It's funny cause like we, we basically ask the same questions with every person, right? We talk about your first surfboard, your surf trip, you know, but because everyone's different, every story is different. Yeah. And yeah. that's what makes it really, you know, interesting for us, obviously, but like for, for people who listen, they're like, wow. Yeah. And it's funny because we ask the same damn questions, but it, we it, go on different tangents, you know? Yeah, but like, it's... Your yeah, story is crazy, you know? There's some similarities with Buzzy, with modeling and stuff, but everything else is different, you know? Like, yeah. Well, he, you know, yeah, and he's the Jaws pioneer and, and all these different things, you know? Yeah. yeah, but we, you know, it all comes back to, you know, surfing. Well, obviously, that's why we're all here together and it's yeah. how we've met and, you know, um, in relationships, you know, and those relationships you met through surfing and the traveling and, that, and how that matured you and, and, and opened up, you know, your eyes to the world. Yeah. And, you know, we look at all these you know, facets of, of life that are, are, you know, connected and, and every, like Lyndon said, every journey is different, but, you know, you know, you, you talked about how Malloy is and, and that was such a, you know, a stronghold at part of your years and, and then modeling, you know, and then quick and then how that perlate and, you know, there's all these connections. Yeah. And, and that's, what's really fascinating because we know everybody and everything, but you only know so, yeah. right, so little. You know, when there's so much, and this is a great platform for us to tell people stories. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's fun for us and fun for the guests. Oh, like, I love it. You know, go on that journey and yeah. learn about the people that, you know, we, we've seen from afar. Yeah. You know? No, it's crazy. I mean, I've known you guys probably since 88. Yeah. Know, or yeah. Whatever. And we've been, been in trip. Around yeah. heads and surf and sport and then the Grom and like watching. I mean. Yeah. And we've been yeah. on surf trips and we've been at contests together and we've crossed paths like, you know, a million times. A million and then, times, yeah. you know, but. Um, Layovers and. But yeah. I mean, we knew cool. that Hans Haas Hagen was such a interesting person. You're almost going to say heat him in right there. Yeah. Heat him in. <laughs> Not just a pretty face, dude. No, for sure. Not just a pretty face. And what's crazy is like you, you've done so much that it's, and you didn't go, you didn't go to college. You graduated high school and learned everything on your own through life experiences, which not to knock, you know, college and higher education, but it's really neat to hear that. You know what I mean? Because we, we bring it up yeah, all the time. Yeah, kids, stay in like, college if, you're, if that's your route. But no. Uh, it, and that's life, you know? Like, life experiences and relationships and, yeah. and following your passion, you know? And yeah. I mean, surfing, you know, has a lot of opportunity because, you know, that's our passion and it opens up a lot of doors with similar, you know, thoughts and, and similar, you know, people that have, you know, like, like-minded, you know? Yeah. But it's cool how he made his way. Oh, for sure. Through, you know, through surfing, yes, but, you know, he learned shit on his own. Because hey, I see another Ralph Lauren gig coming around the corner. <laughs> I can just feel it. I'm channeling it. Not for you. you. Not for me. 
I'm, I'm looking for, uh, you know, other <laughs> gigs. No, just kidding. But um, I think Hans had something yeah, to say. Yeah, he, he does for sure. Well, I was just thinking about that and you're talking about college and, and, and it just is so important, you know, for, for people, for kids, especially if I was going to tell the kids, you've got to keep an open mind. You have to always be curious. You got to continue to read, you got to read books and you got to always remain curious and be willing to learn. If you, yeah. if you're not willing to learn and that's what everyone hires for, that's what the creatives want to join to Like if you, you have to be open and, and, and there's no set course. Yeah. And the majority of successful people I know, or I would say at least half of them did it on their own. Yeah. Yeah. And, and ment- finding your mentor and shadowing mentors and, tr- and truly just applying yourself to things and, 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 and learning. Because yeah. you, you, everyone's capable of, you know, I mean, you're not going to become a surgeon that way, but you could do a ton creatively, entrepreneurially, and you could live a life of design, like by design. Yeah. So that's my advice to the kids. It's like always keep your mind open. And learn. You got to just keep learning. Yeah. And travel if you can, you know, and I feel like that is just so eye opening, you know. Yeah. Too. And and again, like you have talked about like, you know, grinding it out, you know, hey, sharing sharing a room and eating off the the street carts and, and like really like embracing the culture by you know by just your surroundings and not having the budget and then you've had that experience on the the luxury side of the carpet rolls out and you got a limo and, and that but you're 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 getting a good perspective on you know life yeah and uh you're very fortunate to have that and i think surfing even if it's not at a a caliber of professional like level like just to get out in the world and and expose yourself like out to other cultures and, and countries and stuff, just going through the process, traveling, getting visas, budgeting. Yeah. Hey, like we would not have a, a plan. You know, you wouldn't be like everything set up. You would just show up and figure it out, yeah. you know? And that's important to kind of have that. Yeah. Like this guy, you know, lived yeah. out of a suitcase for many years. Yeah, I think, I think uh, traveling, traveling, gives you so much, gives you perspective and uh, to realize how other people live so simply as well and, and, and what it really takes, what, what, what happiness comes from, you know, and, and uh, you know, you see so many f- families who are functional, multi-generations living in the same home in other countries and live so simply and just the simple needs are covered and they're generally happy. And then you could take that contrast to sped up Orange County and Laguna Beach and and you know all the stuff that we see around here with materialism and uh, it's just so nice and then you know guys like like Dick Metz and you know Kevin Naughton and those guys who kind of paved the way it's it's so great and, and one thing I really want to touch on is that that surfing it's so nice to have a sense of purpose when you hit the road because if you're an aimless backpacker if you're not working on a book or working on a something, well, nowadays it's like a vlog or something. But yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If I didn't have surfing, the story would have been entirely different. Yep, sure. And that was always that barometer because I'm like, I need to wake up 
to travel to that island somehow find the captain find the boat guy find the train find the bus because I know the waves are going to be good there and I know I need to be sharp when I get there I need to be fit my brain needs to be sharp can't be you know and like it wasn't about you know exploration's great you know if you're just cruising and partying and doing your thing around the world but if you have surfing you have a sense of purpose yeah and and, and that that's that been that's the thread that I that I love because I've been around that you know yeah. you go to Southeast Asia and you see you know and everyone's on their different journey but it's not it's not you know you don't go around the world just just for the party yeah. you know you're, you're there for the waves and, yeah. and that that is a common ground and then you meet a, you know if there is that that sense of connectivity in, in the surfing culture that that does have a, that element and, and you have something in common whether there's a language barrier a cultural barrier you have that in common and it's just yeah. like it's it's bridged yeah. so much so this That's has been this has been deep but let's like let's let's talk about like and I love it I love it but right now Hans Hagen you got a, a airplane ticket to go anywhere in the world with whatever quiver and you don't have to worry about the waves because it's going to be perfect when you show up. Where, where would you go right now? Well, my bucket list, I'd say Morocco. Morocco. I'd, I'd hit Morocco. and Land uh, of rights. Land of rights with a stiff offshore, you know. J-Bay-esque, like, rocky sandbar just spitting. Will you let him talk? No. I'm visualizing everything that I've, I've read and you saw. You ask him a question, let him oh. answer. Oh. For crying out loud. Yeah, be drinking tea, be having some of that, you know, tea. I, I, you know, they don't really, it's not a big alcohol country. But, uh, no, I just see, I just see, I, it seems exotic to me right now. And I, I just, there's a place I haven't been. So what, I'm, one of the places I haven't been. I'm surprised you haven't. That's like. I, so close. If you were to ask me, you think Hans Haas Hagen has been to Morocco? I'd be like, that motherfucker's been everywhere. I was like, yeah. I was in the Azores. I've been <laughs> in Portugal. I was out, you know, and like. I like to go to Madeira too. Yeah, I've been there. It's oh. fucking amazing. Is that Portugal? It's an island off of Portugal. Yeah. But yeah. Before we wrap up, though. Yeah. Can we give our guest our uh, sponsors' wares? Yeah. He's got a new pair of shades from Dude. Otis Mineral Sunglasses. Otis, and they're eco acetate. Eco acetate, baby. Mean? What's that mean? It means it's biodegradable. Biodegradable. Yeah. So will it last? Farm, farm from the earth. How many years will it last me? Uh, long until you're blind. Long until you're blind. But the the mineral based lens uh, are the the most scratch resistant material out of any eyewear. So sweet. They gave you a sick, deadhead looking T-shirt. Right on. I guess they've been around. Psychedelic. Since 67? Oh, this has been around? What? Really? This t-shirt says that. Um, and, and we got some Ashlands for you. Ashland hard seltzer. Zero sugar. Zero carbs. Gluten-free. It is free. Guilt-free. 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 Yeah. And the Bonsai Bowl cards. Yeah, well, you know, we like to spoil our guests, and you're sponsored by the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Look how fucking... Look at... I mean, it's like... Hold on, let me take a Christmas come early? Yes. Is Christmas over? Christmas... Dude. Christmas came early. Haunts. You guys are like... 
too kind. You know, we're 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 we like to give. We're in, we're givers yeah. over here. Yeah, and we think our sponsors spread, our, spread the wealth. Yeah, well, and we we even brought you uh, St. Archer's four yeah. pack. Oh yeah, we did. And I think that's a holiday oh, yeah. holiday IPA. Holiday IPA in sixteen ounce cans. Yeah, yeah, Sick. yeah. It's all in the fridge. Yeah. What? Yes. But um, dude, no, I I will support anybody who supports late night with Jockey. That's right. Yeah, well, we couldn't do it without our sponsors and our guests, our fabulous guests, uh, and you are one fabulous human being, we think, for everything you've done and accomplished, and I think you're just getting started. I think you've got many more yeah. years of service and doing cool things and keep us involved because we're a platform to you know, help you know, spread love and, and aloha and um, you know, showcase what cool people are doing. Well, it's been an honor. Thanks for having me on here. Thank really. you very much. This has been amazing. Hans Haas Hagen. Yep. How do you say that? Maoli. Maoli Ola. Maoli Ola. Keep up the good work and spread the good vibes. Peace. Merry Christmas and a happy new peer. Bonsai Bowls. Hands down the best bowls, period. Seven locations. Two in Hawaii, five in Southern California. Bonsai Bowls. Go get some. Caliente Southwest Grill. Clean, healthy Mexican food. Everything is made fresh daily using produce from local farms. Their salsa, their dressing, and even their marinades are made from fresh produce in-house, so almost all of the menu is naturally gluten-free and extremely clean. Family-owned, showing local love for 22 years. Check out their website, calientesouthwest.com for all your party pack and catering needs. You can also call them at 949-515-0909, calientesouthwest.com. Ashland Hard Seltzer, made from all natural ingredients. No sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free. Great taste and guilt-free good times. Ashland Hard Seltzer. Shade Sunscreen, the best sunscreen for all surfers. Shade Sunscreen, it's been around since the sun. Shade, Shade. Sunscreen. Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Fuwax is the best, ickiest, stickiest wax in the game. Fuwax. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music. 